Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to the Kill Stream. I am your host, Ethan Roth, the owner and the editor-in-chief of the RothRetort.com, where there have been two new articles in the last week, two more coming tomorrow. I meant to get them done today, but I was just tired after the sunrise, so took a little napsy, uh, didn't get those done, but those should be up tomorrow. For some reason, Odyssey is acting weird over here on Brave. I don't know why. Uh, it looks okay to some people, but on mine, it does this sometimes, where it fucks up on, like, the streamer's end. I have no idea why it would ever do this, but um, it does. And so, um, I'm going to try. Let me see. Maybe it's a brave thing. Let me see if I sign in over on Chrome, if that'll help. And just kind of a weird little error where it'll, like, I can't see the view count and some other stuff. I don't know why it does that, but let's see. Okay, I can close that now. Okay, so that didn't work, did it? Okay, it's so gay. Uh, okay. Let's try it. Okay, no, I don't want to follow anybody else. God damn it, why is it doing this? Fucking shit. Uh, no, I don't. I don't want to follow anybody else. I follow too many people as it is. They're trying to make me follow some other people. Anyway, I'll look at this. Invalid capture? No, it was not an invalid capture, you lying motherfucker. Oh, my God. Why? Okay, there it goes. Okay, I'm logged in over here. Let me see if the... If the shit works right. No, it doesn't. Okay. So, I have no idea why that would be. Let's see. Um, view count broken. <laughs> uh, we already had to take an episode down today. Which I got emails. I got some messages about that. Oh, does he? Okay, I'll bring that up, Pantsu. She said, our guest tonight has a best-selling book about CPAP machines. Scenes. I didn't know that. I thought we were going to talk about swords and shit. But we will talk about that. Anyway, um, I'll try to figure out the the major malfunction over here. I don't know why, though. See, the weird thing is it works when I'm signed out. I think at least it was a minute ago. It's so strange. Let's see. I don't know why that why that happens. Anyway, uh, I'll mess with it some more later. We'll see. Now, 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 what I was using doesn't work either. Okay. Well, that always that's always great. I basically, fucked it up worse. Okay. Let me see if I can do this. Oh boy. Okay. So that's not helping. All right. I'll mess with it some more. Now, right before I went on air, we're gonna have the guest here in a minute, Phil Elmore, debut guest. And we have power chat as well. Um, but right before I went on air, I got an email. Well, I got passed along an email that was sent about our bowling event in Dallas on April 2nd. Now, it's not a regular event. But thankfully, we know. Anonymous sent $3 oddies is censorship. Making you remove Saturday's classic. Contracts are slavery. 
Cozy would never do that. Well, I saw some people saying that, of course. Um, I got a couple messages from some people you wouldn't expect being like, did they actually make you take that down? Um, from some big names. Like, um, one of them said, a regular on the show, very big name, by the way, said, said I, wasn't re- I didn't realize there was any docs regulations on Odyssey, actually, is what they said. Um, there it goes. It's fixed now, by the way. But I still love Odyssey, so I'm not, uh, I don't want to throw shade or whatever. I wasn't happy with it, but it's one of those things where they have their own thing. It's kind of a legal thing, I think, right? Um, okay, let's see. Thanks, man. It kicked on now. And yeah, I noticed that. Chat is nicer on, on mobile. No. Let's see. I, I I mean, I'll be lying if I said I was happy about it. <laughs> um, because I'm not. Uh, and I straight up was like, well, I'm not going to come out and apologize for it or anything like that. So, <laughs> if, that's, if that's part of the, if that's part of the, uh, um, calculation there. Well, to me, it's not, um, you know, it's a person who was attacking me in every which way possible. It's a person that's a public figure. Um, it's a person who got, who did get their identity uh, outed. But I don't, I don't think there's, a, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Actually, Chicken Ninja sent three dollars. I just flew in from Los Angeles, and boy, are my SRMS tired. Phil Elmore, more like Phil McCracken. Ha ha. <laughs> Thanks, fellas. I'll be here all night. Don't forget to tip your bartenders. By the way, it stopped. You know what's funny is it started working and it stopped again. It like reset. Hold on, hold on. Wait, it started back and then stopped. Anyway, I don't want it to be a, a fuck Odyssey thing. But, yeah, I know some people were kind of surprised uh, by it. I wasn't necessarily surprised because I'd had this type of um, discussion with them before uh, about another matter. So I did know that there was a policy there. Honestly, it didn't even occur to me if I'm if I'm telling you the truth. Um, I didn't even think about it one single time. Um, I just did my show, and obviously I was going to play that. And so, I, like, I didn't even it didn't even occur to me that it might be against the rules or anything like that. Um, I don't think it would have stopped me either, to be quite honest. So that's where we are. Um, but uh, I'm going to put it up. And, again, my bitch shoot's dusty, man. I, I haven't put up anything over there in a while. Um, but it'll get wiped off the cozy server eventually. So I'll probably put it up on on BitChute. And also, man, let me fix this, too. I'm trying to – so I can't – the chat doesn't work either is the problem. At least I can't see it working. Is it working for you guys? It's great. Okay, now I can see it over here when I log out. Okay, I can see it now. Go ahead. Godzilla 37 sent $3 <laughs> weight. Has Phil even met us? He probably should have first. He's going to meet us. But by the way, um, <laughs> he's about to meet us soon. I, I'm, let me pull this up. Oh, there he is there. Okay, I'll unmute myself so he can hear us, and then I'll I'll bring him in here in a minute. Let me see. Uh, so he can get acclimated with the sounds and everything make sure his stuff's working right i um i'm trying to think here okay so i got an email right before 
I went on the show. Sorry, I'm getting discombobulated because the tech. It's not. It's not on me this time. Uh, it's on Odyssey. But uh, I got this email before the show. I posted part of it on Twitter. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're also talking about. So. Uh, a local motorcycle club that provides security uh, we've been talking to, talking about. So most likely we're going to probably have like Hells Angels there doing, doing security, uh, which they do. I don't know if you guys know that, but they have a long, uh, a long tradition of providing security. I wonder if I could show you some of what they provided security for. Uh, <laughs> Uh, just Google the Altamont uh, concert, maybe you can look up. But anyway, they have a. Hopefully, it doesn't turn out like that. But uh, they have a long and storied uh, history when it comes to uh, taking out the riffraff if they need to be taken out. If you know what I mean. Um, so, for a re- very reasonable price too. Uh, probably maybe a few drinks as well. I'm not sure, but. Um, yeah, once I heard that idea, I said, that sounds exactly what we need, exactly like what we need, uh, the Hells Angels there. Uh, so that's probably going to be what we do there in Texas. By the way, it looks like it's kicked on on my regular Odyssey now. That's right. Hunter Thompson Hunter Thompson did get his ass whooped at one of those and wrote an entire book about it. Not just that part, but <clears throat> one of his better books, actually. Um, I'm not, I'm 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 gonna be on the other side of it though. That's what, uh, okay. Now Phil Elmore is here. Phil El, God bless. Easy for me to say. Phil Elmore is here. Why was that like a hard phrase? I don't understand. Okay, now let me uh, hide this. Bring his audio up. Make sure everything's going good here. A little discombobulated, but that's normal. Uh, Phil, welcome to the kill stream, man. How you doing? No, I'm doing good. It wouldn't be technology if we didn't spend the first five minutes doing that seance thing that everyone does. Are are you with us? Can can you hear us? Right. Yeah. And then the chat's popping in and out on Odyssey. And one way I got it to work was pulling up in an incognito window, except then I can't tech. You know, I can't actually interact. I don't know. A lot of fun stuff uh, going on. I'm going to read this email. So I'm throwing an event in Dallas, and, and we're going to introduce you to and let you talk about your books and all this stuff. And I want to talk about them too. Uh, probably take some calls maybe. Uh, but I'm doing this bowling event uh, in Dallas on April the 2nd. We're selling tickets, killstream.live slash bowl. And somebody sent uh, – okay, by the way, it looks like it's going good now. Uh, sorry, they're tech uh, Odyssey messaging me. Somebody sent this email – uh, it's very long. I don't know how much I can read. Let's see. Hello. This is like the most concern trolling thing I think I've ever read in my life. Hello. I do not normally go out of my way to do this, but I felt it was important as a small business owner myself to warn you about an event you might be holding on April 2nd. I'm not sure if you're aware of the significant amount of negative events that tend to occur around and by the host of this event. Aside from his personal actions, it says person, but personal is within it. He has cultivated a giant group of internet trolls and ill-intentioned followers who will constantly devote a significant amount of resources towards disrupting and introducing chaos to anything they set their sights to. Oh, they sound like some bad dudes, Phil. These sound like some guys you can barely deal with. So far, I'm not hearing a lot. (laughs) These are some bad hombres, Phil. Oh, my God. These keyboard keyboard warriors. Oh, man. It's really tough. 
You know, I'm from a place where they shoot and kill motherfuckers on the day. You understand? Like that, I, I don't understand. I really am mind boggled sometimes by the by the fear that some people associate with these pussies uh, who who sit and tap 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 on the keyboard. Maybe they come by your house and set something outside your house. You know, when I would go by somebody's house when I was. Uh, on that type of shit, I was breaking out a motherfucker's window. I was fucking slashing their tires. I was fucking up their house. Like, I mean, I, I don't, I don't even understand the the concept of going by somebody's house unless you're gonna be doing those things. Honestly, that's that's where I, I mean, I don't do that now. I don't support that. I'm just saying, like, where I'm from, if you're going by somebody's house, you're going there to fuck up their shit, basically, not play little pranks and do little videos and shit like that. You're going, you're riding on their ass, basically. But anyway. That's a different discussion. This has led more than a few impacted businesses. <laughs> Wait, hold on. What businesses have closed? <laughs> a few impacted businesses closing. People being forced to move. People going to jail and worse. Nice, nice bowling alley you got here. Be a little shame if anything would have happened to it. This is pretty... No, wait, hold on. This sounds really dire. Too, by the way, this has led to more than a few impacted businesses closing, people being forced to move, people going to jail, and worse. They're basically implying death too. There at the end, like I. Okay. I I was under the impression you were a net shops creator, given the <laughs> amount of streams <laughs> devoted to you that have taken well, place over the last couple of weeks. Well, we did lose one in the last couple of weeks on the jobs count, but, uh, you know, we'll get that, I'll create that job again. Um, <laughs> Ethan Ralph himself has a significant legal history. He is a convicted felon. That part's true, but this is the part they, they've just made up basically and ran with. Not basically they have for assaulting a female police officer. Now the guy, it was a man and he looked like, um, what's his name? The boxer, Canelo Alvarez. I've said this before. He looked like Canelo Alvarez. He was Mexican. His name was Chavez. It's public record, by the way. Like, you can look this up. But they've turned it into, I took a sw swing at a female officer. By the way, I wouldn't give a fuck. Uh, fuck the police, honestly. Uh, it was like a resisting arrest. It wasn't even, like, I didn't even hit the officer in the first place. It's like, I, it's the most recall, petty we shit. Doing the Andre the Giant thing where you sleep <laughs> on the lounge in the That's right. hotel, right? I was asleep on a fucking couch in the, in the hotel. Took a drunken swing at the police. In most jurisdictions in the world... This isn't even, I mean, I'm not going to say it's not a crime. It's still a crime. But it's like a weekend in jail or a night in jail. Maybe you get slapped around. I was told face-to-face -to -face by a Richmond police officer that this would have never been charged that way. In Richmond, that you would have got your ass, you know, you would have got slapped around a little bit. He actually looked down and checked his fucking thing before he said this uh, to make sure it wasn't on. But he's <laughs> like, yeah, 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 he literally did. Uh, and he's Let like, make sure that switch is on off. Yeah, he was looking, right, exactly. Which they can turn it on and off at will, most of them. You, know, um, you don't see a blinking light, do you? <laughs> right. Uh, so he said that, and I was like, yeah, well, that's what I deserved, right? Like a little, you know, get right, you know, just go sober up, fuckhead, sit in the cell tonight and get out tomorrow. Instead, you know, it was eight months uh, of my life. And uh, definitely it was a regrettable situation, but it's not something where, um, you know, I feel like it was the crime of the century. Or It's, or it's not like you woke up and said, I'm overcome with misogyny right yeah and i went out to to commit <laughs> violent the crimes context is more yeah he was drunk and he woke up and woke up mad. well 
Really? If they hadn't woke me up, nothing. I would have just slept for a couple more yeah. hours and woke up on, and we stumbled can, to my car. We can order society. Like, if that guy's drunk, just leave him be. Like, well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I understand why they woke me up. I was drunk on their property and yeah. on their couch, right? So, like, I understand, it's kind of too. the definition of that's fair. Right. Yeah, I mean, I understand. I put myself in a bad situation, really. Um but, you know, come to find out, it was pretty normal for people to get charged with this crime up in Loudoun County. And the reason why is because it's an almost impossibly easy charge to crime. If you resist arrest in any way, take any type of um, what could be argued to be an offensive swing. Sometimes they make it up. There were people in jail who didn't actually do a swing, who just where they said they had a phantom kick towards the police officers and stuff like that. And then they got stuck with felony Assault on law enforcement, and the reason is that they, the same Loudoun County that's been in the news. So yes, many times it's recently? the same exact Loudoun County. I did eight months in their fucking jail up there. Yeah, Oof. it's the same Loudoun County. They're pompous. They're be- holier than thou. They were garbage back then. They're garbage now. Imagine uh, the sentence if you had misgendered somebody. Well, <laughs> they sucked a fat one back then too. Is what I'm saying. And so um, the reason they like doing that charge though, though, is because it's. Um, it's a mandatory minimum of six months. Basically, you're automatically going to jail for six months. Wally if you said three dollars. Sounds like they want them to strike your event <laughs> and get spared being pinned with grief. <laughs> I'll see myself out. Anyway, it wasn't uh, some big, big thing. I mean, it's it, it was it ended up being, but you, the way they talk about it's like he took a swing at a female police officer which i didn't it was a male uh and second thing it's like yeah i did take a swing wait no it says for assaulting a female police officer uh but even if you take their interpretation that was female which is not true at all i still didn't hit the person (laughs) i'm not sure how that equates to ethan (laughs) ralph destroyer of businesses yeah like i still didn't hit the person anyway they go on to mention uh, some other stuff that I can't discuss uh, having to do with personal uh, family court, stuff like that. Of course, I can't discuss that. Um, now, let me see. Uh-oh, Bibble's here. It was Bibble's idea for you to be here, too, so I'm glad that he's here. And I won't waste too much time, more, more time on this email, uh, but I do want to read a little bit more. Um, there are further, further, okay, go ahead. Loco Coco Jojo sent $10 King Ralph back on top. Stay golden. Stay golden, Pony Boy. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, Let's see. I know you may find this dubious. I'm linking that. Uh, They go on to talk about the stream. People are talking shit. He's made so many enemies. Collectively, the trolls have 170,000 posts on a message board dedicated to archiving and tracking his entire history of destructive behavior. They have video and audio of everything he does and regularly laugh at numerous attempts to troll and interfere with his already destructive life. He mainly garnered their attention for the numerous attacks he leveled on people for any perceived slight. Here is the link to the archive. Is is this letter signed Cog? Boy, it does have the ring of old cog, I have to say. Um, somebody said it sounded like Maddox, because uh, Dick's going to be at this event uh, as well. Uh, and uh, I don't know how much you know <coughs> Excuse me about Maddox, but... Anonymous sent $3. Maybe. Should we interview the Yeah, guest? you know what? We should let me run the show, because <laughs> you're a loser. But, uh, yeah, we will at a certain point. It's called uh, Bleed Through, that I still hadn't finished the email from the first segment, so I have to finish reading it. You know what? Blame Odyssey. The fucking chat wasn't working for 10 minutes. That was the part I was supposed to be reading the email. Okay. 
Now, and fuck you, Super Chatter. Yes, we will interview the guest. Uh, I should warn you that your bowling alley and event are already heated topics of their chat and conversation, and I can all but guarantee that plans are underway to create an insane event that will be recorded, documented, and shown around the Internet. Well, they're making this event sound cool as fuck, by the way. No bowling alley in history has ever had an unsavory character. Oh, no. Right. Bowling alleys. No. Also, like an insane event that we're going to spread everywhere. Everywhere yeah. on the internet. Everyone's going to see it. They're going to know about this right. bowling alley. Like, oh, fuck. Everybody's going to be talking about your bowling you alley in a legendary moment in internet history. It's like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. Can we book them for next year already? <laughs> can, go ahead. can you imagine the cutaway interviews yeah. after the fact? You don't understand. They were bowling. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, and one more. I'll read it. I'm here at the end now. Um, Let's see. Ethan Ralph is already promising strippers and inviting people with known drug and sex offense issues, which I don't know where that came from either. I'm like, what? If they show up, I can promise it will be filmed and shown around the net. Oh, my God. No, do not advertise my bowling alley around the net. In closing, I can say that it's certainly not up to me to tell you how to run your business. It is purely up to your good judgment. I do, however, I mean, feel you want stripper bowling. Yeah, right. I mean, and a legendary event that's going to be shown around the internet forever. It's purely up to your good judgment. I do, however, feel you deserve to know what could be brought to your doorstep, as I would want to know the same with my business. I hope this is helpful to you. And it's signed Landon Marshall, which I'm sure is probably some fake name. Uh, but that was the email sent uh, today about our bowling event. But I have some news for him. It's not getting canceled. Your emails, uh, you know, sorry, your Gamergate experience, it's not going to help you here. Uh, they're not going to be pulling any advertisers or any we don't have any advertisers <laughs> we're not going to pull the uh we're not going to pull the event uh and we're going to have a motor six in bowling journalism that's right that's exactly what it's about uh and we're going to have a motorcycle gang there to do security so uh so i hope some people really like to get froggy uh at a thing like that because this, this may be uh, the only time in history that bowling's been interesting <laughs> because they will they will be uh escorted off the premises uh in a in a you know in a in a way that has to, you know that neutralizes the threat, I guess. They'll have I guess their coat say. taken. Yeah, your coat will be confiscated. Take his coat. Uh, <laughs> Take his coat. And I'm not, I, uh, I'm, I'm not really kidding. Absolutely not kidding. By the way. Yeah, yeah, we will. Phil Elmore, he's here. Why don't we inter- let him introduce himself? Because that's what I always do with new guests on the show. Uh, he has some books. We were showing some of them and talking about them at the end of the Tequila Sunrise uh, today. Uh, Self defense books. Uh, one was about a sword. Now one was about a flashlight too. Uh, uh, But go ahead, introduce yourself a little bit. Well, like 20 years ago, I decided I wanted to write self-defense books. And about 16 years ago, I wrote a book called Flashlight Fighting that Paladin Press published. And it did pretty well. It was like the first book of its type that showed you how to use small flashlights as as weapons. Not, you know, not like a big flashlight that you're using like a club. Uh, I borrowed the techniques from from Japanese Uwara. If you've ever uh, seen one of those dowel-type keychains it's the same thing so it's just the same techniques and then i followed that up i talked to paladin i said i've got an idea for a book on swords and they said that's awesome how can we completely destroy the idea and guarantee that a decade later your book will be made fun of by people you've never met who are moderately famous so they they took my book on swords which was really just intended to show people how to you know the basic mechanics of of using a sword and they named it 
street sword. <laughs> and I don't begrudge them that because while it was a terrible title, it was also the least awful title of the titles they offered me. And I wish I had kept that list. Somebody asked me, do you have the list? I'm like, I wish I did because it was, it, this is a bad title. Imagine the horror that was the other titles that I rejected as less preferable. So the book, it did okay, but they, they never really marketed it very well. And it started with a terrible title. And then 15 years later, the book achieves some kind of weird viral fame. It's on break.com and the worst things for sale. And Chris Hardwick makes fun of it on at midnight. And I don't understand why it came back around. I don't mind. So periodically I go on Twitter and I just search for street sword and I'll find people talking about the book and I'll pop in and say hi. And most of them don't know what to do with that. A few of them don't even know that the person talking to them is a the person that wrote the book. Uh, part of that is because I had hair, as you can see, when I wrote the book. Um, but it's, it's one of the weird ironies of life that I wanted to become a martial arts author, and I became a best-selling author for writing a book about CPAP machines because I almost died in my sleep. <laughs> Well, see, so, I was talking to my fiance before the show, and we'll talk about that at a certain point too. But your CPAP book, she's like, "Oh, he's a best-selling author for his CPAP book." Uh, actually, life is not without a sense of irony. Oh, did you want to be a famous martial arts guy? Uh, boom, you have sleep apnea. <laughs> um, and by the way, so Bibble, it was his idea, and I'll let him talk here in just a second since it was for you to come on. Hold on, go ahead with this. Loco Coco yes, Jojo right. sent right. three dollars. Ralph, you need Homo Trollius on bowling security. That's true. He won't let Cog exactly. and Maddox in. That's who I need. But Bibble, so <clears throat> your name came up. I forget how it was being discussed. And he's like, you should get this guy on the show. I think I was talking to you already on Twitter. I'd had an interaction with you or something. Yeah. And Bibble goes, you know who this guy is? And I was like, no, you know, I just was talking to him on Twitter. I I didn't really know. Uh, and he's like, he did this book. And I didn't know. He's like, you know, Street Sword? I was like, no. But I knew the cover. So when I yes. saw the cover of the book, I was like, oh, it's that book. Like, I'd seen that, yeah. like, in memes and shit. Like, I was like, oh, I know that book. For Yeah, I do know that. And so then I was like, let's get you on. Now, it's been a couple crazy weeks to actually get you on because I've had a crazy life uh, you to get the you best on. Best excuse but, ever. To yeah, yeah, interview. you know, I got rolled in Portugal, and then last week, of course, it was insane as well. Uh, so I had some good excuses for sure. Uh, but uh, that's that's how that's how this happened. Now, I'll turn it over to Bibble a little bit here too, if he wants to talk to him. Well, I I first heard about it through I think uh, Bullshito, of course, and, and so, so for those that don't know, it's a like a martial arts website, but it's kind of like a click of girls, where they you know <laughs> they they uh, are just obsessed with MMA and anything else is complete shit and like never has Bullshito been more accurately described. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, those people helped make me famous when I started <laughs> with my career when I started writing about self defense. There was, if I'm not mistaken, there was at one time an entire sub forum at that website just devoted to hating me. Yes. And years later, I looked back on that and I'm like, those people helped make me and I owe them a debt of gratitude. But it's all because one of the earliest versions of my website before I even had like an actual domain name, it was like the free website that comes with your AT&T web hosting or something like that. It was one step above geo cities. You know, mm -hmm. um, I had, I had a list of websites that I thought were a waste of time. And I put the forerunner of Bullshito on that list. And the guy who owns Bullshito, his name is Neil Fletcher, wrote me an angry email and never forgave me, spent the next 20 years not liking me because of that. 
So I, I every once in a while he pops up. I, I can't remember the last time I interacted with him. I think it might have even been on Twitter. He just popped up somewhere, and I'm like, "You're you're still doing this?" So some people just stay. It's it's amazing to me. For the last 20 years, I've been focused on so many different work and writing projects, and there are people in the world who stayed in the early 2000s and never left. Yeah. And, like I, okay. <laughs> They were obsessed with you. They had a whole, uh, you know, a whole uh, gallery of rogues that they yeah. would constantly rage against. I was there. Um, it was the I forget the it was the I think it was the badass of the month or something for some year and month. And I had a trophy made <laughs> that that commemorated that. And I don't have the trophy here because I'm in the process of moving my stuff from one place to another, but I still have that trophy that I had made. I had, I, I went all Frank Dukes on it and I had a trophy made for myself and it commemorated my Bullshito <laughs> month. Um, because, you know, they, they really helped me, but my, my career went in a different direction and I, you know, I've been, uh, writing and ghost writing and, and producing things for internet marketers. And I do technical writing and, you know, I've been really busy for the last 20 years and I turned around and, you know, I lost my hair, but gained a career as a working writer. So I really have no complaints, but it's always weird when, you know, when street sword came back around and every once in a while I'll, encou I'll encounter somebody from those old days. And it's like, are, are you okay? It was the same emotion I had when I saw Cog's timeline and it was just twenty four seven Ethan Ralph all the time. And I'm like, are, are, are you all right, buddy? Okay. He's been doing that. For, I wanted to ask you he's about, been doing like, that for three years, by the way, uh, or more. But anyway, uh, go ahead. Dingo. You have been, uh, you've been demonstrating an intimate knowledge of, of recent and not so recent history surrounding the kill stream. Right. Sir, are, are you, are you, a, were you a fan of the show before this interview was, uh, I booked? have been a casual spectator of all of this stuff for years and, you know, <laughs> I, and not to, I don't mean to offend, but I've been a big fan of Jim's for a long time too. So when you and Medicare were arguing with each other, I was like, I hate it when mom and dad fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got a lot of that. I got a lot of that uh, when that happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, so no, you know, I, amazing. I'm I'm very busy just with work, and I'm not about trying to be like I am so busy. I'm above it all. No, I just have a lot of nonsense going on, so I don't stick with anything consistently. But I pop in, you know, and I've I've managed to keep up with most of the stuff over several years. You know, I have uh, uh, I listen to the the Killstream as a podcast, and um, I used to listen to whenever when Jim was consistently putting out videos. I loved listening to his stuff. Um, you know, and I listen to the mirrors when they, when they come on. And, uh, I, 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 my biggest fear in coming on this show was that I would walk in like coach red pill be like, how do you do fellow kids? <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, the chat loves you already. Uh, I, I find you like ridiculously just, um, friendly and approachable and you're, yeah, you're awesome. I, I like you a lot. No homo. I, I try to be, I mean, the, one of the, one of the weirdest things about, arguing with people on the internet. And I, in the past, I made a lot of mistakes and I picked a lot of fights with internet crazy people and I regret it. And if I could undo it, I would, because I've led a very adventurous life from behind my desk. I have won three different people. internet death matches with people who didn't show up to the fight. Uh, so my, my record is three and oh, you know, like the, the uh, Kimura, the, the fight move that is named for Mr. Kimura is a joint lock. And if you win by Kimura, you win by that move. Well, to win an internet duel by Elmore is to stay home eating donuts until the other guy doesn't show up. 
And that's happened like three different times. One of which was Ashita Kim, famed ninja fraud Ashita Kim. He challenged me to fight him. And when he challenged me to fight him, I of course said yes. And uh, I told him there's a there's a famous duel that happened during uh, abolition when a guy who became known as Bowie Knife Potter was accused of inserting something in the congressional record by one of the Democrats, a Democrat named Pryor. Pryor challenged him to a duel and then backed out of the duel, and then their seconds almost got into a duel. Well, he was known as Bowie Knife Potter for the rest of his life because when Pryor challenged him to duel, he said, fine, I want us to duel in a darkened room with Bowie knives of equal length, and I want us to be tied together at the left-hand wrist. And, and so his fellow congressional Republicans gave him a giant wooden Bowie knife that said, I will always keep a prior engagement, you know, spelled like the guy's name. And he was famous <laughs> and beloved, and then he tripped on his pet cat and he died. That's legitimately how Bowie Knife Potter died. Fuck. So uh, when Ashita Kim challenged me to fight him, I, of course, said yes. And I want us to fight in a darkened room with Bowie knives of equal length. And I want our left hands to be tied together. And weirdly, he said no. So I won that fight. (laughs) (laughs) I I remember hearing about that. People were going apeshit thinking that you were an insane person because uh, he said said those uh, stipulations. Right. It, the historical reference was lost on them, and that was yes. what made me saddest of all, that Bowie Knife Potter is not remembered among current generations. Uh, Frank Dukes, uh, the guy that Bloodsport is supposed to be based on, he once called me to threaten to sue me. Now, I'm not special. I don't think Frank has ever had a phone conversation with anyone who didn't threaten to sue him. Um, but all of these things, th- there's another guy who's in prison right now who I'm sure once he gets out in July will go right back to blogging about what a jerk he thinks I am. I regret making these enemies. I would not have done that type of journalism early in my career if I knew that 20 years later I'd have these people who hate me. But, you know, you can't go back in time. You can't undo it. So all you can do is try to be better about it. So now I just try to be friendly and nice to people. Uh, It doesn't always work. Every once in a while I can't help but say that's dumb. And people don't like that, especially on the Internet. So I I just got done listening to part of a stream this afternoon from some guy who was very, very angry that I said he was dumb. And, you know, that's the Internet in a nutshell. You're dumb. Well, I hate you forever. Well, I, I have a question I want to ask. And, and, you know, I'm not trying to count your money, so feel free to ter- uh, decline this question. But uh, are you still getting residuals from Street Sword? Is that thing still well, selling? Uh, Paladin Press no longer exists. They went out of business. So uh, while I was working for Paladin, the dirty little secret of Paladin Press as an industry was you never made much money uh, as an author for them. I made more money doing freelance editing for Paladin than I ever made in royalties as an author, even with a couple of books to my credit. There was a business model at one time. People would get known in the industry by putting out a book or two with Paladin Press or putting out videos with Paladin Press. And then they would move on to publish their own stuff independently once they built an audience and people found out who they were and that they existed uh, by using Paladin Press as that stepping stone. A lot of people in the uh, early 2000s kind of followed that model. And that has all changed. The internet was instrumental in changing that. Um, and it's a shame to see you know Paladin Press just go away because Uh, While they didn't exactly make me a lot of money, they certainly helped my career by letting me publish a couple of books through them, despite the terrible title that they hung on Street Sword. I mean, the the cover, the famous cover, I turned that picture in. And then they looked at that and they said, yeah, call it Street Sword. And so I've had to live with ever after, he's not even on a street. (laughs) (laughs) 
Holy shit. Oh, no. Have you heard about sleep apnea? Wait, 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 wait. So would you say that Paladin Publishing was uh, last generation's version of the Killstream? Like, you're not there to make money, but it'll they'll make your name big. Uh, I I don't know if as you can draw that type of comparison. I mean, they certainly, there are other people who got much bigger and Paladin was instrumental in making them much bigger. You know, I was a, a minor player in that scene. Um, but the and, house always made money, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, until they didn't and they went out of business. But I, that happened. There was a, a point in time Paladin invested in the same publish-on-demand printing equipment that publish-on-demand houses were using when that technology came about because it was harder and harder to print up a bunch of books and, and maintain an inventory. So at some point, things didn't really go out of print anymore because they just pressed a button and made another one because the technology was advancing. And at that time, that was when the, the vanity self-publishing industry really took off. This was before Amazon entered the market and changed everything because now anybody can just go to Amazon and create a paper novel or create a, a Kindle book, and there's absolutely no barrier to crapping out a novel. <laughs> And I say that as someone who did that a couple of times himself using publish-on-demand publishers. So when I pick on first-time authors, I've been there. I've been that person. Today, you know, with dozens and dozens of commercially published novels behind me, I now do coaching and teaching, and I help people make good books and, and produce, you know, a first novel that isn't terrible. Because as I like to say, you only get one first novel, and most of them suck. You, you just kind of have to get it out of your system. You have to own your own masters, Dingo, as the rappers say. This guy uh, fucking rules, Ralph. Holy shit. After seeing this shit sell for six seventy five, I wish I would have bought ten of them back in the day. Holy uh, shit. Well, just based on rarity, they go for a lot now, but it's not because the price is not reflective of the quality. It's an unremarkable book. <laughs> uh, now what like NFTs almost now wait, right? I wanna ask you something first before we go into the CPAP stuff and the sleep apnea and all that. Uh what got you into wanting to write about self defense and do that in the first place? Like I mean that's kind of a niche uh niche whatever. It was always an uh, interest thing. of mine, even when I was in junior high in high school uh you know i wanted to like i remember reading books on karate in in high school and you know thinking this is this is a, a topic of great interest to me i didn't actually take any martial arts until i was in college and then i you know i've been doing that ever since um you know and, and i've had all kinds of training and, and seminars and force on force training and other things because if you just do something when you get a chance over the course of three decades, you look back and suddenly you've accumulated a lot of it. Um, but it all started because I wanted to. So in a way it was kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. I decided I wanted to write about self-defense. So I started writing about self-defense. And then the first time I ever called Paladin for anything, thinking that they would have no reason to know who I was, they did know who I was because my website had helped make that inroad, but it was something I created. So it was like, I am this person because I say I am this person. <laughs> And in a way, it's kind of scary that you can just do that. Uh, but there are a lot of martial arts frauds in the world who did that, too. They said, I am this guy now, and you will believe me. And then that worked for a while until the Internet also became the instrument whereby we all said, we don't believe you. All right. Now, what, now the, the sleep apnea, the CPAP. So you talked about earlier, you said you almost died. Well, I, I, I got really sick, and... I went to the hospital and they said, um, take him to the super extra emergency room. And I'm like, what's going on? And they thought my tonsil was going to swell up and choke me to death. So they legitimately are putting KY and a camera up my nose. And while the guy is shoving the camera up my nose, he is saying this happened 
don't we have that smaller camera in the back somewhere? I'm like, really? <laughs> so they determined that my tonsil wasn't going to choke me. But after all of this happened, and I was sickest I've ever been, I had some kind of weird infection. Then I got pneumonia for the first time. And then at some point after that, I would go upstairs and I feel like I was going to die. And it was more than just, you know, fat guy going up the stairs. I went to my doctor and I said, this doesn't seem like a normal level of fatigue. And the doctor said, well, it, it could be your heart. And surprise, surprise, it was. I, I was diagnosed with cardiomyopathy, which is what doctors tell you when you have crappy heart. Your heart is crappy. I said, well, what did it? We don't know. Will it get better? We don't know. What are, what's my prognosis? We don't really know. So they, I, I got, I took a sleep study and they said, here's what's happening. You stop breathing about once a minute. And when that happens, your oxygen levels drop in your sleep to the point that it's damaging your organs, your heart primarily among them. So we're going to give you this machine that basically shoves a column of air down your throat so that you don't do that. And I tried and after three days of not sleeping feeling like i was never going to sleep again you would be amazed how quickly you become unraveled when you don't sleep at all for three days so i went into the sleep clinic after three days of this because i couldn't get used to the machine and i was so out of my mind that a woman in the office next to the office i was going into ran away she just fled and i was like <laughs> if you don't fix this i will throw myself of a building. <laughs> the guy, to his credit, was like, well, let's see if we can make some adjustments. <laughs> and they, they switched me to a different type of mask. And what I learned was that this is a process. And I thought, why did no one tell me these things when I started this? So I sat down and I wrote a little 99 cent book on all of the things I wish someone had told me before I went through all this myself. Um, and I, mostly I wrote it so that people I knew who maybe needed a CPAP machine, like my father at the time, would read it and be convinced. Because I had been told before, you snore like a rusty chainsaw being dragged behind a broken Harley down a gravel road, and it's probably indicative of sleep apnea. And I thought to myself, let it kill me. Well, it was. <laughs> so I wished I had taken it seriously years before. Uh, now, after years of using CPAP therapy, as they call it, uh, they think that my heart's gotten better. That's a little iffy because they put you on drugs that when they put me on drugs to make it easier for my heart to beat, because the problem was my heart wasn't pushing enough blood. It, your heart compensates for not pushing enough blood by beating faster. When your resting heart rate is like 110, you are a monster. And I had been a horrible horrible human being to everyone in my life for months and I didn't know it. So they put me on the drugs and I remember sitting down at my desk one morning and I thought, what's different? Oh, I don't hate everyone. And then I was like, Oh, I owe a lot of people an apology. <laughs> so after quite a few years of that, the idea being that the medicine would make it easier for my heart to beat, give it a chance to recover. And the CPAP therapy means I actually sleep and breathe at night. Um, they think my heart has gotten better, but there's some testing we have to do and they can't just take the medication away because that might be why you're doing well. So, you know, they wouldn't want you to just crash and fall off immediately. So it is again, a process, but so, I wrote the book because I was so upset that no one had told me these things. And the book legitimately was a bestseller. It was like in the top 10 in their uh, self-help quick reads. Uh, well, section. So I, I was just going to say this and, let, and ask you another question, but uh, 
my mom had sleep apnea when I was a kid, uh, and it was undiagnosed for years and years. And she would, like you said, snore really loudly, but also she would be like super tired uh, yes. during the day and would just like fall asleep during I like w- the worst situation. Sometimes even yes. while driving, she would be like nodding out a little bit. Yeah, and, like, you have stop to keep at a light something. and you nod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fell asleep in the middle of my own sentence once. Yeah, and the person I was talking to was like. Did you just fall asleep? No. I was like, yeah, yeah. because... Right, I I had seen I I seen her fall asleep like at down. like while while driving and be like oh shit wake up you know yeah uh, it's no joke yeah dude uh, and of course when she got the CPAP um, you know she it was like you actually slept during the night right and you weren't yeah I mean, and when you first air, get it yeah. because your brain is finally getting a signal that you've had restful sleep you suddenly start sleeping about four or five hours a night and waking up like I'm awake I'm alive. And yeah. so I was really productive for about three weeks until my body adjusted to that. Right. Hey, I have a question. Um, uh, so I have a couple, actually. I have a lot of questions about sleep apnea. But I guess the first one I'll go with, okay, I have a buddy, and he, he's a former, like, bodybuilder. He's still in great shape, but he has a terrible case of sleep apnea. And, like, um, whenever he'll come in town and we all get together, he has to put that mask on and everything. So yeah. I'm, I'm wondering, like, does this – does this affect people of all body types? Is it mostly overweight people? I, I asked my doctor, I'm like, if I lose a hundred pounds, will this go away? He said it might, but probably not. When I did my sleep study, everybody else in the sleep study, cause you know, you see them leaving the building uh, in the morning with the world's most ironic mug about, you know, sleep. Um, it's a coffee mug about sleep therapy, which I found terribly ironic, but they were all normal sized people. They weren't big fat people like me. And uh, the fact is, Sleep apnea is a function of your airway. There's a few reasons that your airway might not be giving you enough air when you sleep. Um, And sometimes it's the muscles get weak. And of course, CPAP therapy, you're not using those muscles, so the muscles actually get weaker. So when you go on a CPAP machine, it's pretty much for life. I mean, I don't sleep without it. Um, And I have like a backup battery in case the power goes off because otherwise I'm just up. (laughs) Because I've tried going without it for even a night and it, you just feel like hammered crap when, when you've done that, when you've spent a night just not actually breathing. Now, evolutionarily, this seems like this would be a, a really big deal. What do you, how do you think that uh, that humans, you know, evolved this this horrible, horrible handicap? Well, human beings have a number of of physical issues. I'm blind as a bat without my glasses, so there's a lot of reasons I would have died in infancy if this were the stone age you know but but that's why life expectancy isn't 30 anymore um i think we're, we just people have flaws and we now live in an age where we can keep you alive and compensate for those flaws despite the fact that they exist but uh you know it's it's i don't think it i don't think it points to the fact that we're keeping them non-sleepers alive we shouldn't be doing that Sometimes I just get fascinated by that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. cause if you think like a thousand years ago, if everybody had sleep apnea at the rates we do today, you'd just be thinking that like, maybe, you know, maybe that contributed to uh, the shorter lifespan or how many, well, I just wonder like how many people died all, all those years ago of sleep apnea. They well, just yeah, if you think about it, people, you know, we, we've known about snoring for, you know, as long as there've been people. So how many of those people had that issue and it just shortened their lives? And we didn't Fred know. Flintstone snored like a motherfucker. Oh, so, hold on. <laughs> you guys can still hear me, right? Because my, well, 
Hold it can on. run in families too. I can remember uh, staying over at my grandparents' house when I was a, a young child, and all you heard was snoring like a bunch of bears hibernating for the winter all upstairs in that house. <laughs> and you know, it it it's uh, in my family. If you line the male Elmores up in chronological order, you think you're looking at the same increasingly fatter, increasingly balder guy because we all, you know, our heads are shaped the same. I um, I once worked a job that my father had worked previously. I guess that when he retired, they said, get us another one, looks just like him. And the first thing the guy running that company said to me was, I don't believe it, because I look just like my father. And, you know, we all look alike. And so we all snore the same. And I thought for sure that my father had the same sleep apnea problem I had. Turns out his problem was oxygen. So in that, it wasn't just air. They gave him a machine that actually concentrates oxygen so that he was breathing more O2 at night. All right, so you guys can hear me now. Let me try to – so what happened? My browser crashed. It didn't crash the um, call itself for some reason, but it, like, stuck the screen. So let me see. It's OBS, man. OBS is a clown show lately. I'm, I'm going to have to just reinstall everything. That's going to be fun. I need to do that this weekend, I guess. Hold on. Let me try to reset this. Um, It just has to be done. Okay. Now, where is it? There we go. Just in time. Is that going to work? All all I had ever heard uh, uh, about uh, Mr. Elmore here was about the street sword stuff and and all that kind of thing. And I I really wanted to find out more about that. But uh, this interview is kind of gone in a different direction. I like it. For me, that was 15 years ago. You know, I wrote (laughs) that book over a weekend 15 years ago. And it's weird that for some people, that's the sum total of my existence. Um, You know, the the (laughs) volume of stuff I've written since then. I've written dozens and dozens of commercially published novels, many of which were ghostwritten for other people. I wrote 24 novels in the Executioner series uh, for Harlequin because they had a men's adventure imprint at the time. Uh, And those are the movie, the the comic character the punisher and the movies and everything else the punisher was based on the executioner back in the 70s there was a proliferation of fiction about angry men with guns who shot criminals in the face and the executioner was the most famous of them and uh, so i've written 24 books in that series which spans hundreds and hundreds of novels now uh, by the way i'll replay this um i don't really understand (laughs) anonymous sent three dollars so you are saying miscegenation won't lead to world peace well, that's mildly racist. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, now, let me ask you: What? How does ghostwriting work uh, exactly? Well, it, I am. I make a distinction between being an author and being a working writer. An author is anybody can write a book and get it published. When you're a working writer, people are paying you to provide writing as a service. One of those many services is ghostwriting, where people will pay me to either edit their work and make it better, uh, sometimes rewriting it completely, or they'll pay me to write something for them. Uh, and then they put their name on it, and then I'm not allowed to say that I wrote this book. Um, sometimes I write books for fictional people, people who don't exist. So this company, they want to put out a book on this topic. Typically, this is typically nonfiction. So they tell me what they want it to be about and how long it should be, and they pay me to write it. Then I write it, they put a fictional name on it, and they sell it to like a mailing list, and uh, that's the last I ever hear of it. 
Um, so in the world of ghostwriting, you typically aren't getting royalties or anything like that. You're getting paid pay. a flat yeah. fee to produce a work for hire, and then you say goodbye to that thing, and it's not yours, and you never hear from it again. Okay. Cause oh, wow. I, yeah, yeah. I've I've seen uh, people talk about ghostwriting, but I've, I've never like interviewed somebody. Um, I guess a ghostwriter, basically myself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was always always interested part of what I do and kind of how it worked. It can be quite lucrative and quite a steady source, especially if you get. Um, I guess a um, like a steady customer or whatever uh, yeah, coming to you. Every client has a life cycle. Yeah. You'll get clients that you do a little work for them. They like what right. you do if you're good at it. You do more. Then they start producing a lot of work for you. And then that tapers off and then they go away. Yeah. Uh, and I've worked with any number of internet marketers. The websites I have produced and written hundreds of thousands of words of just chaff injected directly into the internet for products that I won't even tell you what they are because they're horrifying. Um, <laughs> I, I had one internet marketer who was oh, doing God. sleazy websites and, you know, like get me 10,000 words on this horrifying device that exists. And that's the thing, you know, now, and he had this, you know, Michigan accent. And uh, one time he said, I need you to write me a 20,000 word uh, website on costumes. And I'm like, Oh, Oh God, what, what sort of costumes? He's like, you know, Batman, Superman, that kind of thing. I'm like, there's there's nothing horrifyingly scatological in it? No, man, it's costumes. What's wrong with you? I don't know. Oh, yeah, all the costumes have a dick attached to them, so I forgot to tell you that. That's what I was <laughs> like, there was another one. I wrote an entire website. It was for pet dating. And I'm like, please, for the love of God, tell me this is people who have pets meeting other people who have pets. Please. <laughs> and it was. <laughs> but, you know, when, when you are a working writer, it means sometimes uh, you have to write about things that you'd rather not know about. Sometimes it, it, it can be boring. It can be interesting. Sometimes it's very fulfilling. But I like to say that you're not a working writer until you'd like to be able to go to bed. But you can't because you have to finish this because it's late and they're demanding it. And that's the difference. Yeah, um, man, uh, I, I'm going to have to get with you after this, if, after this show and talk with you about some of this stuff, man, cause this is fascinating. Yeah. I feel uh, like I want to hog you up too. Yeah. You want to what? <laughs> there's there's gotta be a better way to say that. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't feel good on this end either after I said it. So. <laughs> it, it made me feel wrong. Uh... But I did look at your your Twitter some. You still do talk about a couple of uh, like self defense items from time to time that you oh, yeah. that you use. Is there yeah. is there anything that uh, that you're really liking lately? Well, I'm I'm big into knives. I always have been. I I make Kydex sheaths for knives. If you're not aware, Kydex is a thermal plastic with a relatively low melting point that you can mold and and grind and rivet and shape to make whatever you want. I've been doing that for a number of years now. Um, and I have a whole side business making sheaths for knives and modifying knives and putting the sheaths on them. Um, there are a few different self-defense instructors who have popularized certain pieces of, of equipment that are commonly available. So I got in on that. And, you know, I, I like to think I gave them proper credit for the ideas because none of these ideas originate with me. Um, but I, I taught myself to make Kydex sheaths. I used to work in my bedroom, um, you know, with a little tiny setup. And then vacuum everything up when I was done because Kydex is you, – you produce plastic dust. You don't want to breed that. Oh, um, yeah. And now I have an entire workshop um, and uh, a pretty thriving side business doing that um, just because I, you know, I don't sleep a lot. <laughs> and I'm always doing something. If I'm not writing, I'm doing something with 
you know, making sheaths or something else. Um, I, I make these little, I don't know if the camera will pick that up. That's a samurai wrap on this little pop knife. I make those and sell them. Not the, not the knives, obviously. The those wrap. are manufactured in a factory somewhere. I don't have a press downstairs stamping out. Metal. So wait, what, can I see the blade on that? Yeah, it's, it's just a... Oh, like standard. a little box cutter kind of thing. Yeah, and I, I put the samurai wrap on it for traction. And it's just, I just like to work with my hands and make things. That's awesome. That's, do you have like a favorite knife that you, uh, you've carrying lately, you know? Um, well, th- one of the knives that I carry pretty often is actually just a, just a cheap fixed blade. Oh, snap. Well, yeah, and you mentioned the laws around carrying knives, too, uh, and how they don't really... Makes sense. I guess it was a blurb. Maybe it was a blurb about the sword book uh, that I was reading, and you um, said that um, basically the the laws around knives uh, are sometimes crazier than the laws around guns, and they don't really make any well, sense in what you can carry. And yes, that. because they're they're strategically vague. So literally anything can be illegal if they choose to interpret it that way. Um, and you know, some places have a length limit, some don't. It's much easier to make the the laws vague and then interpret them on the spot than it is to explicitly say these things are legal because then people would know I can carry these things and they're legal. So yeah, with knives, it can be difficult. And like where I live is particularly difficult because the New York city laws often get conflated with the, the state laws overall. And then you go to Amazon or eBay and you're like, I would like to buy this knife. And it says, we can't ship that to you because it's illegal. And I'm like, no, it's not, but all right. And, Who am I to argue? Now, what about carrying a sword? I was I was saying I was going to ask this earlier on the sunrise. Now, how many states, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but how many states could I, and I'm a felon too. I'm not sure if it's even legal for me to have a sword. Well, the, Maybe, but here's the how, thing. can you walk down the street with a fucking sword is what I want to know. Is that legal? There are some states where technically it would be. There's almost nowhere that you can get away with it without drawing attention. Well, yeah, of I course. I had a sword umbrella. I don't mean it was a sword. I mean it was an umbrella that looked like a sword. It had a sword handle. I bought it because I thought it was cool. It turned out to be a really good umbrella. And everywhere I went with that damn sword umbrella, somebody stopped me. And about the second time a security guard stopped me with the sword umbrella, I thought, okay, it's it's time to stop. Well, I took the sword umbrella to my place of employment one time because it was raining and everyone I worked with were like, why did you bring a sword to work? And I said, why would you assume that this is a sword and not an umbrella that looks like a sword? And that's when you find out that you're the guy who's going to bring a sword. Uh, Anonymous sent $3 Hitler or Prince, please. Well, there's a... Well, One of the guys said to me second, the right? best thing that anyone's ever said to me. I asked him, why would you assume that I brought a sword to work? And he looked at me and he said, I just figured today was the day. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, no. let me ask you this. There's a long-running tradition on our show here. Uh, I think it was Terry J that came up with this um, question, uh, and it's been asked of many guests on the show, uh, and it goes a little something like this. Who would you have rather met, Hitler, the German dictator, or Prince, the pop singer, the late great Prince, um, and you would have an interpreter, of course, for Hitler if you don't speak German, which I, I don't. I would much rather have met Prince, who was awesome, than Hitler, who was not awesome. Um, <laughs> well, I picked know, Prince I mean, myself, history too. Took, 
like if this is a time travel situation, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't want to mess with the timeline and produce a planet of squid people that I come back to when my pod lands again. And uh, Prince was awesome. And I'm sad, you know, that tiny little man, I'm sad that he died. Now, so, <laughs> no contest. You would be surprised at the answers we've had on this question. and, and how Well, if, if someone's like, I would go back and meet Hitler people, and murder him. I'm like, I understand Well, the quartering, for example. Bad sentiment. Good luck. Hitler was a badass. I'm just saying. Like, well, it's just objectively true. All right. Well, look. Well, <laughs> Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, okay, I, I disavow that. No, Hitler was a bad, <laughs> bad person. Oh, of course he was. I'm just saying he was a badass. That's all I'm saying. Well, I, it's my understanding he was a little tiny guy. So Prince and Hitler were probably <laughs> spies equivalent, but Prince was awesome and Hitler was evil, and I, I don't think that can be underscored enough. Right, yeah. Well, uh, I, the quartering I said Hitler. He said it in like two seconds. Uh, I think he might still have well, the record. It, this in yet another intersection of, of internet personalities. I subscribe to Jeremy's channel. I listen to a lot of his videos. He's a big um, Hitler guy, apparently. Yeah, um, and I'm, you know... Uh, he likes Hitler. I don't know how to interpret his desire to meet Hitler, and I prefer not so to meet no, him. So, no, he said he wanted to meet him, like, really oh, badly. Chat. Some guy in the chat said, I don't know. I heard Hitler was about this tall. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, um, Get it? <laughs> I, I wanted to ask this. What is your opinion? Like, if I had to choose between a K-bar and a Bowie knife, what, what would your opinion be? Well, they're essentially the same thing. They're both very large fixed blades with what we would call a clip point blade shape. So the Bowie knife would be probably wider and longer depending on what you bought. But it's, you're you're basically saying, should I buy a, a, a Ford Taurus or a Mercury Sable? It's almost the same thing. Okay. So it really wouldn't. This boomer reference to automobiles brought to you by, <laughs> hello, fellow kids. How do you do? Now, I've had one burning question in my mind since you got here. Have you ever had to stab a motherfucker? No, no. And I hope that I get through the rest of my life never having to do that. I've had a few incidents where I thought that was going to happen, and it didn't, thank goodness. Well, you know, it's times when I thought, I am now going to have to defend myself, and this is going to suck very much, um, and it's never happened. And I hope at the end of my life, and when it comes to self-defense, I hope for everyone who trains in self-defense that they get to the end of their life and go, I wonder if that would have worked, Ugh. and then they're dead. Um, because I would rather never find out. Now, so what, I'll go ahead, we'll go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I've waited for this for uh, yeah, 20 yeah. years. Well, uh, <laughs> what do you suggest for a non-lethal uh, defense item? Well, it, it depends on what's legal where you are. So it's kind of like picking off the menu based on how much money is in your wallet. How expensive is that entree? So you have to look and say, what are my legal options where I am? So, you know, the, the non-lethal options are usually things like pepper spray or some states you can get a stun gun. Um, it, it, all of them have serious drawbacks. So you basically have to go, which of these serious drawbacks? Am Further I okay right than Alex Jones sent $3. Grandpa Adolf was a shining example of a beautiful human being. Well, how's he grandpa? Well, that's horrifying. How's, how's he grandpa Adolf now? I haven't, I thought it was uncle. But uh, all right, now. Um, disturbing. Yeah, well, there's some disturbing people out there. I have to this say. is the kill stream, including the people. I know, I, I know, but I am I am contractually obligated yeah, to, to say. Right, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so glad you said it that way. Okay. Right? Okay. Yeah. Well, he's uh, <laughs> he's, he's a so is Ralph, by the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, go ahead, Joey Jojo. 
Joey Jojo sent three dollars. <laughs> would Ralph have been able to fend off those moors? That was, was another thing. That's a good point. I was gonna say I re- was recently, and I got a couple super chats over here on Odyssey. <laughs> I'm gonna bring in. <laughs> I was Joey. recently brutally attacked in the streets of Lisbon, sir. I am aware. Uh, and if. <laughs> Well, hold on. We'll let Godzilla the ding, I'll thirty-seven sent three dollars. Ah, My dad see, was right. Uncle. uncle Adolf was a great man. All right, all right, all right. I right, think. But my thing was, what could have been a technique? Like, what should I've been like? My first, you know, move there, like, or or, or tell somebody well, like a yeah. basic self-defense maneuver that could have maybe, you know, got him out of a situation like that, or at least got him like a first strike capability or or something like that. I, I hate this answer because it's kind of a lame answer. The first thing everyone always says is the way for bad things not to happen to you is to not go places where bad things happen. Yeah. So the first step would have been not to have been, shall we say, chemically altered on the streets okay. of a foreign city looking like a target. You mean being completely shit-faced, blackout drunk on the streets of Lisbon, not a good idea? Okay, well. It's almost like that was a poor decision. But I understand that you were in that situation, so telling you don't be in the situation you were in doesn't actually answer your question. Um, there, There's no good way to face multiple attackers. It's almost always going to end badly, yeah. and that's why it's considered a life-and-death situation because you, you, know, you fight one guy, that's one thing. You fight multiple guys once you're down, they can stop you to death and then you just die. And then it's like, Oh, remember Ralph? Yeah. He went to Lisbon and he was stopped to death. And well, that's how I got fucked up. Honestly, was they were kicking me in the face. Uh, and like when you do, I'll tell you what, you take a couple of kicks to the face, like you're taking some punches. It is what it is. Right. Um, but you start taking a couple solid kicks to the face. I remember that second kick I took, I was like, Oh shit. You know, I was like, okay. Right. And then I went like, you didn't die. No. Yeah. I mean, right. Like they beat like, and I went like this and then they kicked, me, like they were kicking my fucking elbows still trying oh, yeah. to get licks in um but after like i said after i took a couple kicks to the head like it was some there were some solid blows like i was getting rocked yeah, uh, um, and that's when you're like taking you, you know the hp on a video game right your character's taking some massive fucking hits at that point like it's getting down to the wire right you're gonna have to cover yeah. up uh, so, there are yeah. entire DVD training programs devoted to the topic of facing multiple attackers. And there's a different philosophies of, you know, identify the alpha male and go after him so viciously that the <laughs> others go, oh, my God, we can't fight him. Well, that almost never works. Um, then there's the maneuver yourself so that one guy is between you and the other guys because then they have to fight through that guy to get to you. And that almost never works. Um, so there's really there's no good way. You basically... You just have to be as brutally vicious as you can possibly be when you're facing that kind of a threat. And that's why it's really, really bad to fight more than one person. And extremely lucky. And that, yeah. you know, that's what you have to be. Um, okay, so you are you a, a historian with swords? No, uh, I've just I've always been what would be considered a sword guy. I own several of them and I like them, but I'm you know I'm conversant in in swords, but by no means you know a historian of them. Do you have a um, do you have an MVP of ancient civilizations who maximize the usefulness of the sword? Well, you know it. What does fascinate me is the difference in philosophy. For example. The Japanese were a relatively isolated culture that at one point were just killing anyone who showed up. And they refined the Japanese sword over and over and over again down through many, many years. And they didn't have a lot of iron to work with, which is why Japanese swords are the way they are. In Western cultures, in Europe, war changed the way swords 
were used and external influences changed the way that blades were used. So blades got smaller and smaller and smaller going from these large cut and thrust swords all the way down to really tiny swords like rapiers and small swords, which were meant for just stabbing the other guy until he falls over dead. And, oh, you can have a knife too. Here's your, here's your big stabber and your small stabber. Go stab that guy until he's dead. And, and so that reflected external influences and technology causing weapons to evolve in a way that an isolated culture simply was not prompted to. And that fascinates me, but they're all just different. There's no one that's better. You know, one of the old arguments is would a, would a knight versus a samurai and who serves better and go, go home. Um, It's silly. All right, now there's a couple of super chats over here that I haven't read off Odyssey yet. Uh, Carlo, wait, wait, Car, wait, Carl's XD, I think, says, tell me how being hogtied is not gay and Nick Fuentes is a good Christian woman. Uh, it says that. <laughs> Just back slowly away from both of those. <laughs> That was some super chat that I have to say. It says, tell me during the leadership outing how there was, it was like fucking with Dingo and Fuente at the same time. All right. Tell me during the leadership outing how there was a three-way, what? With Papa Fascist, Nick Fuentes, and Ralph while wait, Rachel Wilson got cucked and watched the, uh, there what was the no, hell? there was no, you, but there was no event like won. that. Uh, but if there had been, we could have sold tickets probably and made a lot of money, I could say. But um, no, is that really? I'm sure that's just something somebody made up, right? I hope that, uh, like, there's no, like, is there a story going around like that? Uh, but no, I've never actually Weren't met. Weren't you uh, part of that story? Wouldn't you know if it was Right, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, well, you never know. Uh, like, I've had a lot of uh, shit substituted, right? And then all of a sudden there's, like, this whole narrative going around, and it's like, no, I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, but no, I've never actually met uh, Big Papa Fascist and his wife, but they've been on the show. Matter of fact, somebody wants him to debate um, Adam Green. A couple people mentioned that to me. Uh, we've set up a lot of Adam Green debates, so maybe we'll try to do that. Now, we're supposed to have a debate with the captain and um, Captain Tazariak and Adam Meyer, or uh, Andrew Meyer, excuse me. But I just haven't, man. Like the the first week, it was ready, and Meyer had to back out. The second week, Captain had to back out. Third week, the shit in Lisbon happened, and like it just keeps getting pushed back. And then tonight, it was gonna we're gonna do a longer show and have a fill and the debate. But Captain's like it conflicts with his schedule, so we're still trying to set it up uh, or do something with the Captain, but we just haven't been able to. To get I'm it on the air. Person. Every time you say the captain, I think Antoniel. Antoniel, yes. You're not familiar with the captain? Say what? You're not familiar with the captain? The only captain I know of is the Captain Antoniel. He's oh, our man. black uh, Israelite uh, representative in our debate pool, basically. Yeah, Captain Tazariak Nahawada, and he has a sidekick named, uh, what's his sidekick's name? What's, uh, what's Porkchop's name, Ralph? I don't remember. Cognizant. Yeah, so Cognizant, Captain yeah. Tazariak, Yahawada, and Cognizant. Now, mm-hmm. let me tell you, though, he's a black Hebrew Israelite. He's like, yo, it was six million this year, motherfucker. You know, he's like a black Jew. You know? I, I know the black Hebrew Israelites. He's an amazing all little character. You'll have to tune in next time he's on. I think you'll like it. Wow. That, that sounds like many layers of nuttiness. Uh, <laughs> he's a legend. All right, now let's see. There is a couple more here. Um, Barry Cool says... <laughs> Please describe to me how Papa Fascist hog ties Nick Fuentes in a non-homoerotic way, merely for Christian leadership training. Where is this coming from? Also, tell me how Rachel Wilson twats off to this. Okay. 
Oh I keep looking for like I haven't heard the term squat off, I don't think, in my entire life, by the way. I haven't either. Swats off. Alright. I'm using it from now on. Uh I like all those people, but not in that way. Uh now is, is this the part where I get angry that you didn't respect my boundaries? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna catch a, another case here with this. Um all right now. Uh let me see. I'm trying to make sure I didn't miss any uh any more here. What are you writing about now? You, do you have a big work that you're working on or like Um I'm I'm working on a couple of I'm working on revising the sequel to a young adult novel that I wrote. Um which is a something I'm co-writing with someone else. And I'm working on a couple of different projects, some nonfiction projects. Um, and then I've got uh, some technical writing that I'm doing and I'm documenting some machinery. Like it's always, you can hear the calliope music. I'm always spinning multiple plates. I actually have a few books that I want to write for myself and just publish. And I haven't gotten around to it yet, which is almost always the way it goes. I have all these ideas for projects that I never get to because people are like, please take this money and write this other thing. And it's hard to say no to that rather than saying, I will do this speculative thing that might eventually create money later when there's money right there. And they're like, write this book, even though you don't want to write about that. I'm like, okay. Yeah, well, it's like it's money on the table, and it's right there. Uh, like I said, it's not speculative. It's like here. Uh, yeah, but so. I, I'm a workaholic. I like sitting at my desk writing things. I'm happiest when I'm producing things, so I don't mind it. And and people will say, well, how can you write about you know brackets place topic here all day long? And it's the it's the puzzle for me. It's how do I convey the information I want to convey? Um, and you know, if it's if it's fiction writing, that's different. That's a creative process, and I just enjoy that. I'm working on uh, revising a science fiction novel right now, and uh, you know, these are all. Uh, so many different people are involved in these projects. Um, you meet a lot of fascinating people and you make, I have clients that have become friends, uh, which is neat when it happens, but then you start to feel vaguely guilty for taking their money because now you're their friend and you're like, well, I don't want our relationship to be based on you periodically giving me a couple of thousand dollars. And yet, so, you know, you gotta, you gotta kind of walk a fine line. Like this watch that I'm wearing was actually a gift from a client who was really happy with my work. Um, and you know, how do you, how do you not take real gratitude in that? Like somebody liked what you did for them work-wise that they gave you a present. Now um, I see uh, Dingo has a question there too, um, but I want to ask this. Um, somebody sent another weird question, but they also sent this one in earlier. I like this one. He says, I don't know if this is true. He says, I guarantee if you ask him about Dungeon and Dragons, he will talk for an hour. Is that true? I I understand that I am nerd adjacent. I mean, you know, you can't talk to a guy with a phaser on the wall behind him and not expect that. But weirdly, I was never a Dungeons and Dragons guy. Oh. Um, I, I knew some people like it, when I was in college, I lived with a bunch of people who had a Dungeons and Dragons group, but I wasn't part of it. Um, and I don't know why that is. I feel like it would be more consistent with my nerdery if I was a Dungeons and Dragons guy, but I never have been. All right. Now, who was going to ask that question, the other question? Let's see. I wanted Bibble to ask it. Um, my buddy Cody, Ralph, when I was in high school, this girl came down from Colorado uh, to see him. Not to see him, but her parents came down to see his parents. They went to college together. And Cody had a crush on this girl. And I knew it, but she was into me, and I ended up fucking her anyways. So I felt horrible about <laughs> that. And I don't want this to be the male bonding equivalent 
of of that because I know this is Bibble's guest. Bibble <laughs> likes this guy, so I want to Bibble wow. to ask it. I feel like I've been talking to. I disavow this metaphor. <laughs> um, am I am I gonna? F- Am I gonna fuck Phil? <laughs> What's going on? No, no one even wants that comparison. <laughs> I said male bonding equivalent. I would not inflict myself on any of you, okay. young men. That is just wrong. I mean, that can be male bonding, I guess. I don't know. No, why am I seething? No, I was actually. This is, uh, this is what I get for mentioning Jack Murphy. I was just like <laughs> listening to him tell stories. I was enjoying it, man. Like this guy. I mean, he just. Oh, it's great. Here we go, CJ Seagulls. Hey there, Mr. Elmore. Do you like Randall-made knives? I find them to be I the guess, most aesthetically actually, pleasing. I have, uh, Although they I do have tend to have quite the hefty price tag. He said he found them to be the most aesthetically pleasing, but they have a hefty price tag. And go ahead, finish your answer. They are very beautiful knives. Um, the one that I have, I don't exactly do a whole lot with. It was given to me as a gift, and I'm very grateful to have it. But um, it is, it's kind of like uh, I don't. if I had a $10,000 watch, I wouldn't wear it because I'd be afraid of damaging it so it's kind of the curse of owning something that's expensive and nice if you don't also have a lifestyle that makes that thing inexpensive to you do you really have it or is it sitting in a safe somewhere so this isn't that expensive but but yeah randall's are good knives what's a good like uh you know what's a good brand that i could get a knife for Honestly, if you just want a daily carry knife a spider co will serve you well they're like the glocks of the knife world now wait say it again Spyderco? Spyderco? Yeah, uh, S-P-Y-D-E-R-C-O, Spyderco. And they are um, they're great knives. There's a sort of a subline of Spyderco called Bird, also spelled with a Y, B-Y-R-D. Those are a little less expensive. Spyderco was getting tired of getting copied by Chinese counterfeits, so they said, fine, we'll make our own Chinese knives and market them and pocket the money. So they created <laughs> the Bird line as their own, they're competing with themselves with their own Chinese imports. Um, and both Spyderco and Bird are great knives. Oh, nice. I'm showing right. some on the screen, by the way, too, for, for people. Look, they do look like some pretty good knives, actually. And do you like, I mean, do you like they have a very long, uh, they have more models you can ever shake a stick at. But um, the, just the, the Spyderco Endura and Delica, which are some of the basics, the bread and butter of their product line, those are great knives. And they're not terribly expensive. Go ahead, Bill, but you were asking something else. Uh, well, do you like uh, fixed blade or, or folding better? Um, I, I don't. They're just different. Um, you can get away with carrying a folding knife in a lot of walks of life where you can't really carry a fixed blade just because a folding knife is seen more as a daily carry utility thing. Um, so, you know, I, I I know some people live and die. I would never carry a pre-broken knife. Well, okay, but if it's not legal, you got to make some concessions. Yeah, I'm looking at That's some fair. fixed blades. There goes a pretty cool fixed blade knife like two hundred dollars this knife, yeah they, can, they can get a little pricey could you that give us be... a walkthrough of how a sword is made like from the very beginning to the finish well i mean it, it depends on there's multiple ways to make a sword um if you want a functional sword you need to make sure that it is made of carbon steel not stainless steel because carbon steel uh, is strong enough to be a sword, whereas stainless steel contains elements like chromium and vanadium that weaken the steel to the point where it's fine for a knife and it makes it more rust-resistant. But if you try to make a sword length and weight item out of stainless steel, you're running a very real risk of it breaking, sometimes under its own weight. Now, let me ask you this. Do, have you ever seen Conan the Barbarian? I have. 
does uh does it cause you physical pain when they pour that sword instead of uh <laughs> instead of shaping it well i mean this is also a movie where a guy turns into a giant snake in the middle of a snake orgy so james earl jones did all his stunts in that one that was he really turned into a snake he many people don't know that james earl jones has the ability to become a giant snake <laughs> it's one of his talents <laughs> save the budget the budget was a lot lower thanks to him for those that don't know, a sword generally is like a piece of metal, and then they just keep hitting it with a hammer and sticking it in fire or something. I don't know exactly how, but they don't pour it into a mold like they did in Conan, apparently. <laughs> so, not, not typically, no. Yeah, I thought that was the coolest scene in the movie, but, uh, you know, once you get older... Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's, it's a fantasy it. movie based on fantasy novels. Robert E. Howard was himself, the author of the Conan novels, was a fascinating guy. Um, and then his he, he wrote a tremendous amount of work in a very brief period of a relatively young life. I think he was in his either his 20s or his early 30s. Uh, he produced a huge volume of some of the best fantasy fiction ever. And then when his mother was diagnosed with what he perceived as a terminal illness, he shot himself. Uh, it's kind of a tragic story. Holy shit. Was it a terminal yeah. illness? I think it was tuberculosis, which back then might have been much worse than if you were to get it now. But I don't, I'm, this is from memory, so I don't recall. Holy um, shit. Do you have any tips on the best way to sharpen a knife or a sword? Great question. There's ways to sharpen a knife, and sharpening causes a lot of people a lot of grief. Mm -hmm. um, so there are some shortcuts. Like, I generally like to use a sharpening rod as opposed to a sharpening stone because that lets you draw the rod across the, the blade with maintaining the proper angle. This is a little diamond paddle rod that I use for quick touch-ups. Um, and then I have a diamond rod that is actually shaped like a cylinder that I use for, for finer work. Um, because sharpening is really, what you're doing is grinding away metal from either sides of the blade so that they come together to form a point that is consistent. That consistent point is why it's sharp. And it gives a lot of people a lot of trouble. So my best advice would be to get like a sharpening rod and then get a cheap knife that you don't mind completely screwing up and then just practicing until you can put a razor edge on it by getting the angles consistent. You can buy all kinds of systems, angle guide systems whose sole purpose is to clamp the knife in. And you know, the, the sharpening media has a, a, a guide rod and it fits into a holder and that keeps your angle consistent on both sides, which is a lot of effort to go through just to sharpen a single knife. Um, and then for bigger things, like uh, you know, like a sword or a machete, they make what's called a puck sharpener. It looks like a hockey puck. It's a little round thing, looks just like a hockey puck, but it's abrasive on both sides. And those are great for machetes. Um, swords are a little harder in most cases. Um, it depends on how nice the sword is, <laughs> because like if you spent you know five hundred dollars on a really nice Japanese style sword, you wouldn't just start wailing away on it with a pocket whetstone that you got from Walmart. But, you know, there are some some that are cheap. It doesn't really matter how you sharpen them. You know, like uh, they make these ceramic rods that sit in a holder at, at the right angle. It makes a V. And with a sword that's like moderately nice, you can draw it through those rods in order to put the edge on both sides. Um, so it, it really comes down to individual choices for the individual item being sharpened. And there's no one answer. I saw somebody in the YouTube chat uh, a little earlier say, 
oh yeah, but they're obviously trolling this guy a little bit. I just want to say to that no. commenter, like <laughs> you, you don't even know me at all if you think I'm trolling this man even I, a little bit. I would not I'm be fascinated by word. this. Dude. No, I, I'm I not. An, I'm pricing daggers, dude. I'm looking at this to a guy who I'm certain thought the whole thing was a troll, but I didn't mind because I've got nothing to hide, and I don't take myself as seriously no. as a whole lot of people seem to. Well, so as, as our friends matter. in the black community would say, oh, my mama dog, I'm not trolling. I don't even know if it's legal for me to have a dagger. I'm going to have to look this shit up, but I'm like, somebody sent me this site, another site called uh, well, Todd I'm not Cutler. Sure. Because of your legal status, I might not be able to have a dagger. state would be what determines that. Yeah, I'll have to, to look, look it up. Believe me, I'll code. just double check. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to have a dagger. But oh, dude, well, they have I, some sick ass weapons. Are legal in your state, but then of course you know it may be that you're not allowed to have one for. Well, dude, they have some sick ass weapons on this site, though. Uh, That's, that does look pretty cool. I like I like the idea of a dagger. I don't know if it would be helpful, but it well, look seems at the link. Like that looks about the size. Prison shank somebody. Yeah, well, well a, a dagger is basically a people opener. It's just designed to. <laughs> into the other guy. Yeah, um, I heard that daggers no were used purpose. a lot. In sword fights, like, you know, because, we, you know, when people would sword fight with, like, the rapier and stuff like that, uh, it often kind of divulged into a wrestling match because they would disarm each other, and then someone would pull out a dagger and just shank them. Is that true, or...? I, I don't think you can make a sweeping statement like that. It depends on the time. That's and true. It depends yeah. on the era. I read an entire book by Paladin about dueling once, and an interesting fact about the history of dueling is that duels usually weren't fatal. Usually people were not just out to murder another guy over whatever it was they were upset about. Duels were usually, okay, I cut you, I win, and we're done, because most of those people did not want to die. Is that where fencing came from, like after that? Well, no, um, it, there was a time when if you wanted to be alive, you carried a sword when you went out. And so schools of fencing, which were to teach you how to use that weapon to stay alive, grew up in places like Italy and and, and other other countries where they had these grand traditions of teaching you how to use a sword. One of the, I remember reading that there was not a lot of written material on the use of the sword from like medieval Europe. There's some, but there isn't a lot. And it's because for the most part, people didn't feel the need to write that stuff down because it was just taken for granted that you would learn it from somebody who already knew. So why would you be learning from a book how to wield a sword? It's something we all do. So, oh, my goodness. Uh, I, I just Googled that. Um, Italy duel, dueling with swords. Benito Mussolini apparently won five duels in like seven years. You weren't lying. <laughs> <laughs> like this is a common thing that, that recently ago apparently. So what I'm reading is it's legal to own any type of knife in Virginia, uh, and I think that applies to felons too, but it's illegal to conceal carry a dirk, bowie knife, switchblade, machete, ballistic knife, throwing starts, I think it means throwing stars, or oriental darts, or knife of like kind. Um I think a dirk is another name for a dagger. Yeah. Well, a, a dirk is like a dagger where only one side is sharpened. Oh, kind of like uh, a, uh, a rapier or a epee. Um, like a like a Scottish dirk, like like um, you know, you picture the guy in the in the kilt and he's got a dagger in his sock. It's sharp on one side. That's a that's a that's a dirk. So, um, what do you think about the Filipino knife fighting systems? Um, well, a, a lot of my training has been uh, Filipino uh, martial arts or adjacent to it. So I'm 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 a fan. 
Okay. All right. There we go. Oh, um, I, I thought you were talking about something else. Sorry, Bill. Now, what are you talking about? That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Explain a little bit uh, as far as that goes. Well, the, there is a, a long and storied tradition of Filipino martial arts, um, and, and usually expresses itself now as stick fighting. So you see people training with rattan sticks. The reason they use rattan is because it frays instead of chipping, so people don't lose eyeballs. And uh, the, the the sticks are stand-ins for blades. And uh, so there is a long, long history of, of Filipino uh, martial arts that are what we call blade aware. They are designed and built around using weapons. So all of the empty hand techniques are generally designed to be compatible with using a weapon in those hands as well. Um, and, and Filipino martial arts are their own thing with a very long and, and very wonderful history behind them. Well, you can buy maces on this site too. They're, I don't think they're covered under the, <laughs> under the concealed. It's, it's a medicinal mace, officer. <laughs> <laughs> this is my emotional support mace. So the, the knife fighting, is that called Kali? Is that the, the name? Uh, Kali the... is one Filipino martial art, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, are there multiple of them? There's the terminology can get very confusing, but whenever okay. you hear terms like kali or arnis or escrima, we're talking about Filipino martial arts. Okay, but they they kind of all fall under a similar umbrella, or yeah, for the most part. I mean, I'm grossly oversimplifying, and I'm no expert on the history of all of these systems, but yeah, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about knife fighting. I, I know a little bit about grappling, a little bit about well, the, firearms. The thing about knives for self-defense is there are today what I would call knife cults, and I don't use that term negatively. There are organizations that are devoted specifically to teaching the knife for self-defense. Uh, Libre Fighting, which is uh, Scott Babb's organization, is one of those. Um, Ed Calderon of Ed's Manifesto does a lot of of uh, teaching of the same nature. I, I believe he's actually affiliated with Libre Fighting. Um, there's a South African system called Piper, which is all about using knives for self-defense. And the Piper folks can be a, a little out there, um, but there are there are other systems as well, and they are all built around using a knife, uh, and that's why they exist. So that's why I consider them to be knife cults in that you, you're just learning how to use a blade to defend yourself. Um, do you have any tips on what uh, what maybe brand or shape or whatever uh, of knife you would use that is best for skinning, like on hunting trips? Just a, a skinning knife. I mean, skinning and gutting require a, a knife with a deeply curved belly so that you can really slice well. And I, uh, some people prefer to have a gut hook on their knives for that reason. But um, uh, I've never been much of a hunter my my father was a hunter my brother is an excellent hunter my father was terrible at it um but my father wanted to bond when i was in college and he asked me to go hunting with him and so i did and i was sitting out there so bored i'm like shoot another hunter at this point i just want to go home (laughs) so i never i never ended up gutting a deer i never got a deer i didn't really want one i don't have anything against the deer if i want to shoot dinner the cows are right there the deer are hiding. It's a well, lot. See, I would have trouble shooting a cow. It's the exact opposite for me. They just look so innocent and sweet and dumb. Right. Well, and I don't have anything against either one, but I like eating the cows, so I'm fine with someone else doing it. Yeah. But, so we, we went on this hunting trip. We didn't get anything. We finally get to go home, and we get stuck in the mud. My father was driving a van at the time. He had parked it in a cornfield, and we got stuck. So we're trying and trying and trying to get the van out of the mud. A couple of rednecks in a Ford F-150 drive by, throw us a chain 
pull us out. We are now driving home in stony silence because my father feels he's been emasculated by the fact that other people had to save him. So we're driving and the silence becomes too much. And finally I say, dad, what? Were we just saved by Larry, Daryl and Daryl? Yes. Never speak of this again. Yes. Those are my people. We're very kind. (laughs) And he never, he never mentioned it. He never talked to my mother about it. It's just one of the one of the funnier times. My father was kind of kind of a nut when it came to nature. He decided at some point in his life that nature was mocking him and nature would pay. So, <laughs> he uh, there was a he had a giant garden and the garden was a point of of great consternation for him because nature was trying to eat the garden. So he caught a groundhog in a humane trap and then drove it out of this, the village limits so he could go to the shooting range, took out his twenty two revolver and shot it in the head, came what? home and told me the story. And I said, you took him for a ride into the country? Dad, this was a mafia execution. This isn't pest removal. And, <laughs> and my sister, who was very young at the time, just knew that the groundhog was huge. She's like, what'd you do with the groundhog? He looked at her and he said, and I'm quoting him directly, I set him free. I'm like, existentially? So the first time he ever asked me to go hunting with him was before I was old enough to have a license and be able to carry a gun. I'm like, how am I going to help in this procedure? And he's like, well, you can drive the deer to me. And I thought to myself, this is how you're going to do it. I'm not working out. You're going to take me out there. And when you come home by yourself and my mother goes, where is our son? You're going to go, I set him free. He got to death by a deer. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of deer drives. They, they can get dangerous. Just ask all the Cajuns in this state. By the way, somebody I see a couple of people have this. Somebody submitted this knife on Odyssey, and then somebody in uh, YouTube said they actually have this knife. Uh, yeah, Essie is a, a well-respected survival knife brand. Okay. Oh, you know? Okay, yeah, I should know. I should have figured you knew. Uh, well, I I do a lot of work with internet marketers who work in the survival space, so these are topics that I've written about a lot. All right, now oh. let, let me uh, go and go ahead, uh, Bibble, and then real quick, and then I'll let these uh, super chats go through. Uh, somebody super- said deer don't gore you. I don't know, man. I've never hunted deer. I'm deer sorry. What? He said somebody in chat said deers don't gore you. By the uh, way, they have. They you made me think before. of the new Jackass movie, which I saw this weekend <laughs> with Pantsu and Johnny Knoxville. Absolutely gets fucking gored hard as fuck uh, in that in that movie. Like, uh, holy yeah. shit, it's crazy. I've I've never I, I I don't know I've never hunted deer. I only hunt the most dangerous game. So I think I would be, do with that I think I would be very <laughs> upset if I got gored by a deer. I'd be like, tell him I was running with the bulls in Spain. This is embarrassing. <laughs> You know, right. wild wild hogs killed people uh, regularly, uh, especially like in Scotland and England and Ireland for a very long time uh, in our history. But anyways, that's a different story. Okay, I have a different knife question for you, sir, and I, I'm, I'm positive that you have all the answers. I, mean, I haven't asked you a question yet that you didn't pop right then and there, just immediately have an answer for. Uh, throwing knives. What makes a good throwing knife? Well, this is this is actually a topic that I've gone round and round with because I've worked with marketers who marketed uh, combat throwing knife programs. Um, and there's there's a lot of different schools of thought on what makes a good throwing knife because the technique that you use matters. There are some people who say, look, you can learn to throw almost anything with the right technique. Um, uh, if you go and look at Delta 2 Alpha on Instagram, uh, he occasionally posts some really cool throwing knife videos, and they actually make this really cool – a very overbuilt throwing knife um, that I have kicking around here somewhere. Um, And 
it's it's all really about the technique more than it is the knife itself. The one thing you want to avoid is a really light throwing knife because if it doesn't have much weight behind it, you're not going to be able to throw it with any kind of accuracy. It's not going to stick. It's just kind of annoying. You just, yeah. So you don't want that. You want something with some weight to it. All right, now okay. let me see. There's a super chat here. There's a couple. First off, hold on. Epstein sends it. Epstein didn't says chef knife, Wusthoff or Henkitz. Uh, Wusthoff and Henkels are both Hinkles. really good brands of yeah. chef knife. I'm not sure how I would choose between the two. Um, either both, one's going to be fine. Both quality though. Okay. Uh, now let's see. Carl says all I want to know if Justin Bieber makes sweet love to the CPAP while. <laughs> While Nick Fuentes and Papa Fash, I'm not reading the rest of it. Uh, having, what is wrong with this guy? That is not a flattering How did the CPAP get involved this time, too? That's the part. I can at was... least respect that they're trying to blend in the topics. Yeah, that was, that was respectable, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I think we're all kind of past making fun of Justin Bieber. Uh, that seems yeah, that was old school. Yeah, what was that, Eminem I or mean, something from 2000? trying to go back to the old, uh, you know, early old 2000s. Classics. Yeah, go back the to the old Justin Bieber came around. All right, now let's go. But uh, things come on. back. Like, you could make a Britney Spears Another reference now. Another three dollars, you a great guest. Thanks for coming on the kill stream. Oh, awesome. Very cool. Do you have any children? Um, I what? try to make a practice of not talking about my family. Online <laughs> That's a good idea. Like Further right than Alex Jones me, sent three dollars. I got stomped. By now wait a minute. Little bone broken and my muscle got ripped. Only one way to beat the basketball Americans: right. promote abortions in the ghetto. <laughs> okay. Well, that's oh, horrifying. I don't know why you're so worried. I mean, there's nothing but normal, sane, logical people on the internet. Right. As evidence, right. I don't know why you wouldn't want to talk about your <laughs> family. Tell me all about your <laughs> that, that, that really put a punctuation on that super <laughs> chat, didn't it? Yeah, pretty much. No, okay, fine. Well, let me put it this way: um, I I think that you have a wealth of knowledge, and it needs to be passed down to somebody. So all so behind the scenes, if if you need like a, a son figure to pass this on to, <laughs> I'd be more than willing to spend time with you this, learning about this all this. Took stuff. a weird turn. <laughs> be my daddy, please. Eventually, I will probably publish books that then encompass a lot of things. So just look for those books. All right, now let's see. Uh, I think there's more. Hold on. Let's see. There was another ding. I thought. Uh, <laughs> Holy shit. Joey Jojo sent $3. Can we have Phil analyze and critique some of Baked Alaska's self-defense situation? <laughs> I'm aware of the existence of Baked Alaska. I don't know about his self-defense scenario. We might have to get you back next time and have you an, uh, analyze some of these. That would be and, a fucking amazing. I, mean, I, think so. watched with, I watched with relish the we will defend ourselves situation. We could do that. that. We could have some analysis on that, too. Maybe we could just have some of these famous situations. Maybe even me, when I got into the fight, rolling up into the house there. Maybe oh, we'll, yeah. maybe we'll, maybe we'll have you. mistakes there. Yeah, yeah. maybe we'll have you analyze all these uh, all these situations and maybe what the what the um, you know antagonist, protagonist, whatever, could have done differently, right? How they could have approached well, this I'm, differently. I'm not a lawyer, but the reason I have so much knowledge in the lint trap that is my brain is because one of my jobs for many years was conducting interviews for one of my internet marketing clients where I would interview subject matter experts on survival and self-defense and martial arts. I got to talk to some really fascinating people, some big names in the industry. Uh, and after a while that, that information just kind of builds up. So, you know, you look back and once you do something consistently for many years, 
suddenly you're kind of sort of an expert kind of, but, but it's just because you, you've done it for so long. Yeah. I'm the same way with Cunnilingus. Uh, if you got a question, I got an answer. No. <laughs> Do you still have the sword that you posed in the uh, picture for the book? Uh, that particular sword, no, because I believe I gave that one to a friend. I, I'm sitting within reach of two different swords that look just like it. Wow, he must have been a good friend because that is a legendary sword. Well, I mean, it, it's a, if I remember correctly, it was a Hanway uh, katana that was not terribly expensive. So, no, but um, it's the one you posed with. That's what makes it like. <laughs> Well, well, yeah, but I mean, you know, I'm in here, so I don't attach any special significance to things that that was the thing I did with the thing that was me. And it just seems really arrogant. You know, yeah, yeah. Me. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll have to get you back to analyze some of these events and, and just John Madden, you know, the, the late great John Madden. We'll have to have you do the X's and O's of how it could have been, been, been approached differently, I think. I think. Uh, or what if we'd had a sword in this situation that could be. That would be that would make everything worse. <laughs> There's almost no. I'm fascinated with the idea of carrying a sword around. Nobody's ever said, you know what would make this yeah. better? Two feet of sharpened steel. What if you could just? I'm, I'm fascinated by that. What if you were like very proficient with a sword, like you were an actual street sword, motherfucker? Um, well, un unless you're going to go Zatuishi on everybody, like like. Well, no, I mean they, you don't want to use it, but I'm just saying. But you have that proficiency, like you. Well, could. there have been there there have been several incidents where a guy with a machete successfully defended himself because a machete is like a poor man's sword. It's the same thing. It's about the same size. It's a lot more practical. Um, so th there have been verified incidents where a guy defended himself. There was one, a teenage kid used a machete to defend himself once, if I'm remembering the news story correctly. Um, so yes, it is useful to have a weapon sometimes. Um, but in, in a, in many of the conflicts we were just discussing where you've got people who are already doing things they shouldn't be and getting in each other's faces and trying to come right up to the edge of a confrontation, but nobody's really willing to cross over into that line. You throw a sword into that mix and just, it's bad. That's true. It could get, uh, it could get ugly if you truly went off with a sword. I mean, that's true. Uh, all right, now let's see. Did we have? Hold on, there was a couple more too. Let me turn this thing back on. Uh, people keep sending their knives in. Too. I've been pulling them up uh, on the uh, nice. on the panel here. So that's that's the thing. Um, everybody's got a knife. Everybody, literally everyone. I talked to a police officer once who told me, "Yeah, everybody's carrying a knife. All of them." Um, and he said that whenever he frisks somebody, he just took their knife. And if they were smart enough to know that the knife wasn't illegal and they asked for it back, he would give it to them. And that's why he had a shoebox full of knives. Yeah, they just <laughs> take it. Off of what a dick. Yeah, kind of. Further that. right than Alex Jones sent $3. Dingo is the first person ever asking to be groomed. <laughs> <laughs> Joey Jojo sent $3. I own a genuine cookery imported from Nepal. Is it a good practical fighting knife? Well, the, the, the kukri is that banana-shaped blade made famous by the Gurkha mercenaries of Nepal. And it is it can be a very powerful chopping blade. And the Gurkhas have certainly used it to good effect for many, many years. There's, there's a news story I remember writing an email about for one of my marketing clients that is he basically, this one Gurkha mercenary single-handedly fought off multiple Taliban soldiers. And, you know, like, I don't know how he did it with the giant balls of steel he was carrying around. But the the Kukri's, yeah, that's the one. Um, the ones that you get online 
sometimes they're not sharp and they're so thick that to get them sharp enough to be useful, you have to dedicate some time to get them sharp. I've had some, some uh, kukris that took a while to make sharp, but yeah, it's a great knife. I mean, it's not subtle. It, you're not going to use it for <laughs> fine work around the house, but as far as chopping, slashing knives go, it's great. All right, now let's see. There was another one that I cut there for a second so we could get a response. Let's see. Uh, there we go. Fash Golden sent $3. Ralph, if the Chuck Convoy in Canada was taking place in the USA hours you know from you in Washington, D.C., would you go and stream it? Work elapses hours from Ottawa, Canada. Yeah, Just to point that out. Yeah. Uh, by the way, DC's two hours for me. Well, she usually ends up being three because I don't know if I suck so bad. Uh, but yeah, we've something about Frank Dukes up there. You've covered uh, Frank Dukes. One of those super chats said something about Frank Dukes. Uh, this might have been the next one though. It flashed on the screen real briefly. Yeah, I think it's the next one that's coming up. All right, now let's see. Hold on. Um, I don't see Frank Dukes. Where is that coming from? I see. I saw Fash Gordon, but I didn't see Frank Dukes. I see this one. But yeah, I would be up there, obviously. Anonymous sent $3. Do you own any Celtic weapons? I don't think so. All right. I don't see a Frank Duke. Except for those fists. Now. Oh, shit. I'm, oh, yes. Yes, I do see it, actually. Black Phillips sent $3 to the guest. Do you think Frank Ducks is a liar and a grifter? Why was he threatening you? Also, Bloodsport is the best martial arts movie of all time. <laughs> he's not wrong. Everything he's saying is correct. Um, Bloodsport is one of the greatest martial arts movies of all time. Yes. And that's thanks to a man named Sheldon Ledditch, who is responsible for that movie, who will tell you all day long how much he does not like Frank, because Frank is a lunatic. The man makes up stuff on the spot and will do so in real time while you talk to him. Um, I once, I was briefly enamored of doing these little mini video documentaries on YouTube. What I found out, even in the early days of YouTube, is with their stupid copyright system, there's no way you can do that. It'll all get pulled down. So I did one about Frank Dukes, and he saw it, went to my website, got my phone number, called me and said, I'm going to sue you for putting out that documentary. So I did what anyone would do in that situation. I interviewed him for two hours, and that's when I realized he was utterly insane. Um, so I thought, okay, let's not do this again. Um, and, and yeah, he's Frank Dukes made up literally every component of his story. Uh, I don't believe a word that he says about anything because he lies about things that aren't even important. And, uh, that doesn't change the fact that Bloodsport is a wonderful movie, but it's also not true. So he likes to hang his hat on, well, Black Belt Magazine said at the time that they had verified that it's true. Well, no, they didn't. They just said that. And one of the editors of Black Belt subsequently said, I wish we could take that back because I regret it. Um, so he's fond of saying, this has all been proven in court. No, it hasn't. Uh, this person says that I'm telling the truth. That person is lying to. Um, <laughs> he's, he's just... I mean, I don't consider him a malevolent person. I think he just wants to be special. Um, so, you know. What an amazing movie, by website? the way. What's that? You had your phone number on your website? Yeah. Wow. I I'm running Please a business. Do you, still have that. <laughs> do you still have that Frank Dukes interview? Um, I have it somewhere in one of the many hard drive archives, um, but it's one of those things that, I prefer, I, I reached a point where I'm like, I, I don't want to engage in any more internet drama, uh, uh, an emotion that I'm sure 
various parties here can relate to, um, because sure. it just creates too many enemies, and I got tired of it. I got tired of getting threatened. There is a guy who I made the mistake of writing an article about who we went back and forth on YouTube for years after that, and he, he he's a cottage industry in producing blog articles about what a jerk I am. And then he got arrested for making terroristic threats uh, to public officials in his town. They sent him to a mental hospital. He got out, and while he was in a really bad downward spiral, it culminated in him going and buying a gun, lying on the federal form to do so, and then posting internet videos about the gun that he bought. Well, I looked at that and I thought, I swear he was in a mental hospital and I know the federal form asks about that. So I called the ATF and they called me back. And they're like, yes, that we're keenly interested in this. And so because life is not without a sense of irony, um, you know, I've never been a huge fan of the work of the ATF, but in this case, it was the right thing to do because that guy would have killed someone eventually. So they arrested him. They convicted him. And because he attacked his lawyer while waiting for trial, he ended up getting more time on his sentence. So he got a full 60 months, six zero months behind bars. And he gets out in July. So I get to look forward to him going back to blogging about what a jerk I am. And it's all because I made the mistake of writing an article about him years ago. I would take all of that back if I could. He went to jail because of your call? No, not just me. He went to jail because he bought a gun, lied about it, and posted on the internet that he had the gun and posted videos of him shooting it. Like, he could not have gift-wrapped, I have committed a felony, any better than if he tried. And I'm yeah. sure there's probably a lot of people calling. Well, yeah. 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 That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, maybe it would be well, like if I pulled yeah. out a gun, Dingo, what do you think would happen? I'd be in jail before like the end of the hour. Well, Are you kidding? No, me? Yeah, saying, the government officials out. that he threatened probably saw that as yeah. well. Yeah. That's what saying, be on yeah. the lookout when he gets out. Cause he might hold a grudge against you is all I'm saying. Well, yeah. he, he lives far, far away and he's not exactly, um, he doesn't have the money to even get transportation. So I'm not worried about that. Um, but at the same time, knowing that someone like that is constantly putting out articles about how much they hate you, it doesn't promote peace and well-being. You know, it, it doesn't bother me because I've developed a thick skin over many, many years. But if someone said, if you want to go back in time and not do those things that made these enemies, of course I would do that. Um, because they're just – that type of journalism didn't get me anything. Uh, it didn't produce – you know, the, the things that make me money, the things that are, are promoting my career are not that <laughs> – so, you know, live and learn. We all make mistakes. That shit happens. Um, all right, now, so, let's see. I just think this is so fascinating because, like, I, I remember people on the Internet uh, trying to dunk on you about Street Sword, the picture being in the woods. Yeah, like, they never so... read the book. The book is unremarkable. The I've never Tactical read it. magazine reviewed the book, and they basically said, it's fine. <laughs> you know, but it's a terrible, it's a terrible title. You know, and combined with the cover, it just what I want. I wanted to write a book on here's how you would use a sword if you didn't have any other instruction. And I had a few ideas for titles and they didn't like them. And they said, here, pick one from this terrible list. And, you know, when someone else is publishing your work, you give up a certain amount of control. So I just had to live with it. And no, um, yeah, no, I'm not trying to say anything bad about it. But like, you know, no, no, for I years, I heard one side of the story. It's just fascinating being able to hear your side of the story. Well, what's funny about that is. While people who don't know me have always had bad things to say about me, and there's always been people like the folks from Bullshito who, you know, there was a cottage industry and not liking Phil Elmore, I just kept working. And, know you know, like at one at <laughs> early in my career, the criticism was, you don't have the credentials to be teaching people about self-defense. Well, now I do. I have a, a 
instructor level rank in the martial art that I did for many, many years. I've had many other training certifications and, and other things. Like I don't worry about my credentials now. And ironically, like I had a Wikipedia article whose main purpose seems to have been to tell the world that I'm a jerk. And then like right after I earned my black belt, which is a level below where I, I earned after that, which is the instructor level rank, that article was deemed not newsworthy and deleted. And I'm like, and what? Uh, I have a uh, an orange level rank, which is the instructor level rank in a system that was the naming is complicated because the t my teacher used a different name. But my teacher learned from a guy named Gary Galvin, who learned from a guy named Willem Readers, who taught an Indonesian uh, silat blend called Lushong Kung Fu. And Lushong was the name that he adopted for himself. But his name was Willem Readers. And so Willem Readers came to the United States like by way of Canada. And uh, he taught some people in New York, one of whom was Gary Galvin, who taught my teacher. And then he moved out west and started training people that he seemed to be selecting for savagery. <laughs> so I've met some people who are products of those much, much more brutal schools. And, you know, Silat itself is very political. It's an Indonesian martial art mostly, but Lushong Kung Fu is, is really, it's Silat and it's Kun Tao and it's, uh, there's some Filipino martial arts. There's even some karate influence. Um, but that's what I trained in for years and years. Before that, I trained in Wing Chun Kung Fu for several years. Um, so th those two work well together. Um, but I, I don't really worry about the credentials anymore, but I just thought it was ironic that the moment I had the credentials people used to tell me I don't have, suddenly I was no longer newsworthy. And that was fine with me because I didn't want to have a Wikipedia entry. It was annoying because anytime I tried to correct it, it just went back to being wrong. Now, so Wing Chun is like Kung Fu, basically. Uh, yeah, Wing Chun, it's a, it's a, I want to say it's a Southern Kung Fu style. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it's I know a little, only reason I know, yeah, that's the reason I know, but, yeah, that's why I know a little bit about it. I think um, Jet Li did too, actually, but. Um, yeah, uh, Bruce Lee learned a little bit of Wing Chun, came to the United States, and decided to do his own thing, and developed Jeet Kune Do from that. Now, what do you know about Kung Fu movies? Did you ever watch those? I like some of them. I mean, I'm I'm not, I don't go deep into like the seventies Kung Fu movie lore as some people do, but I enjoy them. Yeah. People are talking about it, man. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking Dude, at my dad played those fucking Bruce Lee movies so for good. me when I was like four. So and it, that's all I would watch when I was a kid. When, when my father brought home our very first VCR sometime in the 1980s, he came home with four movies, uh, Ivanhoe stripes, I forget what the third one was and the Chinese connection with Bruce Lee. So I've seen Chinese connection about a hundred billion times. Cause when you have a VCR and only four movies, you're watching those four movies. <laughs> it's weird that I don't remember what the fourth one was, but yeah. Chinese connection. Um, the big boss. I don't remember. There's enter the dragon return of the dragon. Um, fuck. There's another one. Yeah. There. Return of the, uh, return of the dragon is the one where he fights Chuck Norris. If I remember. Yeah. 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 In the Roman Coliseum. Yeah. yeah, 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 that's an awesome one. Which one does he fight the Afro guy in? Uh, that's um, Enter the Dragon. Yeah, because that's Jim Kelly, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And that movie was actually pitched as a John Saxon movie because they weren't confident that yeah. you know Bruce Lee could could headline the movie. You know, the, the, in the United States, it was like, ooh, it's John Saxon's latest karate picture. You know, the whitest white man who's ever been white. And, yeah. So uh, Big Boss is. Awesome. Big Boss, I think, is um, – so Chinese Connection, I think, and Big Boss are the same. I don't know. There's a couple that have, like, 
Uh, two different I, if titles. I remember correctly, uh, no, I but don't. The Big remember, Boss is really good. I have I have most of these on DVD, but uh, Big Boss Fist of Fury uh, is the one I wasn't thinking of. Uh, Way yeah, of the one Dragon. of those. Yeah. There are alternate yeah. titles for all of them. It makes it hard to remember. Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, Enter the Dragon, Game of Death. I wasn't thinking of that too. Uh, that one they well, put out Game of Death died. is an abomination. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. The studio finished with a bunch of doubles, and at one point, it's a guy holding up a picture of Bruce Lee's face in front of his yeah, own head. It's pretty bad. Um, it's pretty bad, dude. Uh, but there was there was that documentary about Game of Death that restored a bunch of the footage, and they even dubbed in someone else's voice to complete the foleying for stuff that they didn't have because Bruce Lee obviously was dead. Yeah, so it's- and. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, Fist of Fury and Chinese Connection are the ones that uh, one of the, ah. the same movie. Um, yeah, it's really good, by the way. Fist of Fury. Um, so and Fist of Legend, which is a Jet Li movie, is a remake of Fist of Fury, and that's like one of the best kung fu movies ever made, too, as well. Uh, Fist of Legend, I would highly recommend if you like kung fu. Um, now go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to. Oh no, I was I was done. Up. Okay. Uh, now let's see here. We did have a caller as well. I'll bring him in and bring him in in just a second. Um, are we taking callers? There are. There's one in there. We're we gonna take more. I don't here, know. Boys. We'll see if they show up. Uh, let's see here. You can't deny this man to the callers. This guy is awesome. I think we're. Let me double check all the sources here. I think we might be caught up. All right, we'll go ahead and bring in the caller. I wonder if he's still alive. Uh, Elb, go ahead. Awesome. What's up, man? Uh, so uh. What's the favorite cold steel blade? You know, anything with a dragon painted on it that you can recommend? Um, I'm actually a big fan of the cold steel Kobun, which is like their their slim How do you spell blade it? tanto. How do you spell that? A K O B U N. Okay. It comes with a kind of a terrible sheath. So whenever I acquire a new Coban, I usually buy an aftermarket Kydex sheath for it. I could make the sheath myself, but the irony is that when you make sheaths for other people, like you don't always want to make them for your own knives. I'm like, I don't want to make that one. Um, oh, it's kind of like the, that saw... little uh, Japanese uh, sword that you see next to the katana all the time. Well, yeah, the 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 tanto is Japanese for knife. So um, there was an explosion in the popularity of further tanto blade knives when Cold Steel introduced their first tanto. They didn't; they weren't the first person to bring a tanto to market, but they made it popular. Damn, so, that looks cool. Uh, bet, we all go. <laughs> all of us who lived through the '90s went through a tanto phase. Where that was the only kind of knife I wanted to buy was Japanese. This is an Americanized Tanto where you've got one edge that meets another with like a secondary point. If you look at the edge and the tip of a Japanese sword, it's not pointed like that. It's curved. It's actually a draw cutting curve. Um, The Americanized Tanto is cheaper to produce and they're usually produced with a chisel grind, meaning it's sharp on one side, but flat on the other because that's much faster and cheaper to produce and make sharp. Um, and there was an explosion in Americanized Tantos with chiseled round edges in the you know late 80s and, and 90s. Um, and, you know, that was all I bought for the longest time during that phase of my life. Now, I'm showing that knife on the screen, by the way, uh, and it looks pretty badass, I have to say. It's, you know, they, they make a lot of good Tantos. They make some expensive ones, too. Um, they make one called the Outdoorsman that has a more curved edge that I quite like. It's kind of the same thing, same size, more or less. Um, but you know, cold steel, 
they the the company got sold not that long ago to a, a some sort of outdoor company conglomerate something or other and i have no idea what the future of cold steel will bring but they produce a lot of good stuff for a lot of years now what were we- oh, as for things with dragons painted on them i actually just treated myself to a folding tanto knife with a dragon painted on the handle from ebay the best $12 dragon tanto money can buy i'm looking at tantos right now like what's a good tanto to get like well, you really, like if that's Japanese the blade one. style you want, then, then you choose the brand based on is the brand a quality brand. Okay. I, I don't really know. Like, what's the be- I guess just the best brand then you can get. Um... Well, with knives, usually you get what you pay for, but sometimes you get less. So if I'm shopping for knives and such and such knife goes for 50 bucks, I'm getting a pretty decent quality level unless I'm getting wildly ripped off. Um, if the knife sells for 20 bucks, you're getting cheap junk. That's just a fact uh, because uh, you you get what you pay for unless you get less. So if you buy any cold steel knife off of like AliExpress or Wish, you are getting a counterfeit. You're not getting the real thing. You're getting a, you're getting ripped off. You're getting a cheaper price, but that knife is not real. It has been manufactured to look like a cold steel knife right down to the packaging, but it is counterfeit. All right. Now uh, I'm looking through here. Uh, Caller, go ahead. What else you got? First of all. Uh, well, I saw a uh, guest here. What is that? Like a three-inch fixed, three-inch fixed blade that you had uh, that you like to carry. Oh, uh, this one. Uh, you showed it earlier. Uh, what about cutting, it? You, you cutting out, or are you are you waiting to say something? Uh, no, 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 no. It, it, uh, the audio and the visual on my end is, is uh, kind of messed up. So, anyways, no, is, am I correct with that? It's basically like a three-inch fixed blade, yeah? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, I was going to say, yeah, what, like 60 bucks, 80 bucks or something? Oh, that? No, that was way cheaper. That's a that's a very inexpensive knife. Um you can, you know, if, once you become conversant in knives, you can go low. You can you can carry something that's really cheap on the idea that it's more or less disposable. And since I can make my own sheaths for things, like most really cheap knives come with garbage sheaths, so you would never carry them. Uh, the, this particular knife comes with a nylon belt sheath that's utterly useless. It's basically a blade cover. So when I make a Kydex sheath for myself, I can customize it however I want. That's one of the reasons I taught myself to do it. Um, I'm completely self-taught when it comes to Kydex, and, and I've been doing it for years now. Um, so now when I buy a knife, I just buy a knife that I like, and if I don't like the sheath, I can throw it away and do, make something I want. By the way, someone on YouTube said, what are we talking about? What is, what is this? We're talking about knives all night? I said, yeah, why not? Why wouldn't we just talk about knives one night? <laughs> yeah, like, what, the fuck? Awesome. what do you think that's crazy? Like, what the fuck? We do 100,000 shows here. What, we can't take one show to talk about knives? I mean, that sounds pretty fucking cool, actually. I don't know. Yeah. I think we've run the gamut. I mean, it got weirdly sexual. Well, yeah, we, yeah, we talked about Listen, a lot of different shit. that was an accident. Yeah. You all know it was an accident. We did. Uh, <laughs> what's, what's the term? A happy accident? We did, uh, we did talk about a lot of different stuff, but still, you know. Well, so what? What we take one show to talk about knives? Okay. No, uh, if yeah, if you're just now tuning in like midway through the show, you're gonna want to rewatch this one. This this guest is effing awesome. No homo, okay? No homo. No, but this has been a great, great show. I think. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's no. been really good. I, I am gonna have to yeah. leave though because it's way past my say, We did. We did go a couple hours of the, uh, here on the interview. Thank you, Bibble. I appreciate you stopping by. I appreciate you for it was Bibble's idea. Can we? Oh wow. Can we give him the plaudits? Yeah, yeah, thank you very much, man. Oh, it's my pleasure. 
you know, I hope I can talk to you off off the show sometime. Yeah, sure um, I'm very easy to contact. Um, you can contact me on Twitter. I don't use Twitter that much, but um, I got Facebook too. Whatever, you know. I, I, my website, philalmore.com, has all of my links to everything, so I'm pretty accessible. Oh, yeah, cool, I'll get cool. you in contact with him for sure. It was a great idea. And again, I was talking to you already, but I didn't know. <laughs> just some ass talked on Twitter, and it was like, oh, you know, this guy bro, did this, this, and this, and I was like, no, I didn't know that at all. I don't, uh, I don't usually introduce myself as your coffee's the owner of the street store. Oh, well, I mean, I should have known, right? Why like, not? I mean, it's that's kind of literally my yeah. my impression. I looked at your name and I thought that's not him. That's that's somebody who knows about Phil from back in the day, and then. I fucking looked you up and I was like, holy shit, that's Phil. He's still kicking. He's doing good. Like I, I gotta, uh, like, I want to talk to this guy. So I am uh, very was... old now. I'm, I'm, I'm old. <laughs> no, no offense. I mean, it was I'm old like a boulder. I'm old like a boulder gathered by a cretin who thinks that he's somehow redeemed himself. Because oh boy. He's not the one being picked on. Oh boy. <laughs> holy shit. That never stops with this guy. Oh man. Oh, Don't wind me up. Thank you though, sir. Uh, thank you, Bibble. Uh, Make sure you tune into Bibble Babble, Bibble.live every Sunday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Bibble.live every Sunday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Also, follow me on Twitter, Boss Bibble. Would I be able to get that on my podcast app too? Do you upload it like he does with the kill stream or no? Uh, I don't archive my shows anywhere. It's uh, it's a radio show uh, style. So you, you watch it when it comes on and then I delete them uh, immediately because I say things that are, are risque and yeah, it's a good way not to get struck. Yeah. I don't want to spend 30 so They don't have a whole library of material on you like they do me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, you know, I don't want people having a supercut of me saying, you know, wildly, horribly offensive th- things that will, you know, make your mind turn inside out like a man in a dress is not a woman and just uh, completely offensive, horrible things. So I, I don't, uh, I don't leave that up there, unfortunately. But, uh, but yeah, if you want to catch it, catch it. If not, uh, make sure you tune into. Uh, do you do a podcast? I I have one, but I've been so busy with work, I almost never do it. So, it's it's called Surviving the News, and it's just you know news commentary. I mean, I mean, I'm no mundane Matt. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure his stream's gonna take off now. I, I, I don't get me started on that. Uh, but uh, anyway, he should be thanking me that I paid his house note this month by showing up on his trashy fucking channel. But anyway, he's like that him. kid on the bus who's just glad yeah. that the bully is not picking on him today. He's such yeah, a bitch. Get him. Get him. You know, he went away and disappeared for like two months when they turned up the heat on him. I ain't going nowhere. I'm going to be here every night doing shows, not giving a fuck. Um, so anyway. You know, he tried to cast a satanic spell on me. Did you know that? That wouldn't surprise me. No, I'm, I'm not kidding. He was bragging about it there. Then he was like, oh, Dingo ran away whenever I, I'm like, yeah, I did. Yeah. You start casting satanic spells in my direction. I'm going to jump off the call. Did, okay? I don't I, know about the satanic spell part. I did not it know the satanic sorcery was on the table. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I didn't, didn't I missed this, <laughs> uh, this chapter. I wasn't but, prepared I mean, for that. So, uh, yeah, I took off. Anyway. Anybody knows about satanic spells, it might be mad. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> There's literally audio of it on YouTube. You can find it. Are you fucking kidding <laughs> I'm well, not you know mean. what? Okay, tomorrow maybe I'll try to get a spellmaster on Tequila Sunrise, and maybe we can reverse the curse. <laughs> 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 Thank you, Bibble. Later, man. <laughs>
Uh, Dingo, thank you as well, man. I'll see the guests out myself, but uh, thank right, you for well, stopping uh, by. Well, thank you. Thank you, Phil, for coming on. I just want to tell you that I'm also going to reach out to you, and I promise I'll be a lot more complimentary, a lot more quickly responsive, and I, I will uh, be He'll a lot you right. in general than, yeah. than Bibble whenever. Uh, I'll be a free. way better fanboy, okay? <laughs> okay, take care. Thank you. You too. Thank you, man. Appreciate you, Dingo. Uh, Phil Elmore, great guest tonight. Thank you, man. Debut appearance here on the Kill Stream. Thank you. Uh, we went everywhere with it. Uh, fun guy. Knew a lot about uh, the crazy bullshit that we talk. You know what's funny is sometimes we'll have a new guest on, and they really don't know anything about like the uh, the whatever bullshit buzz is going around or the inside jokes or commentary and all that shit. Uh, but you have pretty firm grasp grasp of it for better or for worse. <laughs> and you're sick like us. I, I have a casual spectator. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, but that's that's more than a lot. Uh, and thank you, man. I thought you were, you were really fun on the show. Promote your stuff. Tell people where to find you. And hope to have you back sometime. Uh, especially, I like the idea of you reviewing uh, self-defense situations with us and breaking it down. I really do want to do that. So I actually made a sure. note. So I made a note of that. So I have you back soon to do that. Uh, but yeah, go ahead and uh, tell all people. All my links for it. everything are at philelmore.com. So. Thank you, sir. Much appreciated, Phil Elmore. Thank you, man. Thanks. All right. Now, it's just me here on the kill stream now. Oh. Wait, wait, wait. Oh. Still here. Oh, wait. I have one last bit. Well, you don't have anything. You're still, the guest is gone. Yeah. I, well, uh, Knife Owners of America. I believe uh, should oh. be able to provide you information as far as your state uh, laws. Um, I think Knife Rights might be a website as well. Um, but one thing that I did uh, come across was, uh, you know, certain states with, as far as like gravity knives, bow songs, uh, Bowie knives, stilettos, switchblades, all that stuff. You might be able to get them, but... Penalties are enhanced if yeah. you are, yeah, if there's anything that happens right. or whatever. You or know. you do something yeah. with them or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, be careful. Obviously, check your your local ordinances, and I haven't ordered exactly. any knives. I was looking at a lot of them, but I'm not going to get anything that's illegal to carry around, obviously. And I have a, my own complicated situation, too. So, um, But, uh, yeah, man, thank you for calling in. I appreciate that, brother. Uh, have a good one. All right, you too. All right, there was a super chat that I had to... Um, Stop for a second. I hope it didn't have a question for Phil now. Uh, oh, wow. No, okay. Let's see. There were a couple. <laughs> I like this one. Wally sent $3 by far the edgiest episode ever. <laughs> really need to get a handle on this. Uh, yeah. I'll see myself out again. Oh, it was again. Black Phillip. Yeah, you know what? I could Black Phillip sent $3. Seriously, was Brandon Lee's death an accident? It looked, always looked shady If to you me. look deeply at it, it looks more of an elaborate hit. They said it was the triumph yeah. for revenge on Bruce for giving martial arts to the West. Yeah, you know, I heard that. I don't know. That part sounds, I mean, maybe. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I always thought it was like a really just made-no-sense type situation. Um, the shit with Alec Baldwin really doesn't make any sense either. Um, and I know, you know, he claims up and down there was nothing nefarious, but there's still like problems getting his messages and stuff. And I don't know. It just seems kind of weird there too. Um, I, I still played it black Phillip. I'm sorry. Um, maybe we should do a show on that. Brandon Lee. Also, my eye. Ah, I got some visine. So my eyes getting better, but, uh, like it's drier, easier. Probably cause they did a fucking surgery on it. I don't know. Uh, 
Um, but I got some Visine. So Visine, I used to just have growing up because I was a pothead and uh, used to be illegal to smoke weed. So <laughs> Every once in a while I'd go somewhere I'd actually care about whether my eyes were super red. <laughs> usually, but, uh, but I got some for my fucking eyes. God damn it, I can't get it open. Fuck it. I'll fuck with it later. Uh, tomorrow night, I don't know what we're doing. There'll be another kill stream. Uh, in the morning, there'll be a tequila sunrise. I'll set the stream up early. Look for some stuff on the com as well. That thing's back up and chugging. Uh, and I plan to be writing on that a lot and will be writing on that a lot. So please bookmark it again. Dust the cobwebs off. Um, Friday, OG mystery guest. Uh, Beardson next week. I'm working on some other stuff for next week, too. Um, that's the plan. That's the plan so far. AFPAC, uh, February 25th. Uh, April 2nd, we're doing the bowling thing, uh, no matter how many weird emails they send. Uh, probably going to do a live stream of my wedding there at this event as well uh, to Miss Pantsu downstairs, who will be very pregnant uh, at the wedding. Nine months pregnant, actually. Um, so... <coughs> so we shall see. If I do that, I'm going to have to drive across country um, because, I mean, it's not safe, really. Uh, they say not to fly if you're that pregnant, basically. Um, I guess because you might be up in the air uh, while you have the baby. I don't really know. Um, uh, but we'll probably drive to Dallas uh, if I do that in the big red truck. Um, no, that's a long journey. We're already going to drive to AFPAC. I think it's like, I want to say it's 12 hours, something like that. Um, but to Dallas, it's much further. Um, somebody said callers on Friday. We had a callers tonight. If you guys would have just came in, I wasn't stopping anybody. Uh, but yeah, we'll have callers tomorrow too. Yeah, we'll stop along the way. We'll probably, um, Maybe stop in St. I don't know what St. Louis. I'm not sure what it would be. Little Rock, maybe. Actually, you know what? I'd probably just stop in Memphis. I'd probably just drive to Memphis, maybe stay there for a day, then drive to Dallas. I think that makes more sense. How far is Memphis to Dallas? Let's see. Um... Yeah, and then it's seven hours. Yeah, I like that, actually. That's what I would do, I think. Because to Memphis, it's about 11 and a half, 12 hours, something like that, Richmond to Memphis, which is a solid-ass drive, but I've done that one before. So I could drive there 12 hours. Actually, I got family that stays, stays like 11 hours away, close to Memphis. So about 11, 11 and a half hours, stay there for a day or two, drive to Dallas, seven hours. I think that would work great. Um, so, yeah, that's the plan anyway. Uh, for the Dallas event, I uh, got a lot of people coming too. So <clears throat> we're gonna have the uh, Hell's Angels doing security, literally at this point, um, just in case we have to uh, deal with any riffraff there as well. Live streaming uh, the wedding festivities. Uh, it's gonna be great, actually. It's gonna be one, a once in a lifetime event. Somebody saying that the internet history. There's gonna be something that happens there, gets recorded. Uh, we might get to see the Hell's Angels in action. Uh, that could be bad for that could be bad for those trying to make history. Uh, Epstein Denton says YouTube just showed me this 10 second Putin versus Biden sword competition. Let's see what. What do you mean? 
What the fuck? That was really strange. <clears throat> the strange will keep coming tomorrow. Tequila Sunrise. I'll be here. We'll talk much more about Dallas as we get closer. Much, much more. Shirts should be mailed out finally tomorrow. Sorry about the delay, but we had the shirts. Then we didn't have the stuff to mail them. Had to go to Virginia Beach, which I'm going to write about too, about Pansu's bullshit where they tried to kidnap her out of her house. I've talked about that before a couple years ago. Well, about a year and a half ago. So I'll talk about all that soon and more. Thank you guys for the support tonight. Thank you, Phil Elmore, for coming on the show. Thank you to Bibble for the idea. And thank you to Dingo for the adoration for Mr. Elmore and for everything else. Thank you all for your support. It has been much appreciated, uh, more than you'll probably know. Where's the fucking song, though? Oh, boy. I know where it is. I know where it is. Good night. Thank you so much. Oh, 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 oh,